Three, two, one. Hello, friends. It's me, Adam, from Your Movie Sex, and this is Sardonicast. Who else? I'm here, Ralph the Movie Maker, <laughs> youtube.com slash Ralph the Movie Maker. <laughs> I'm also here. I'm Alex from IHE. I gotta say, I, I don't know what that intro was, Adam. You're gonna have to enlighten me. Yeah. Well, so you you watch my highlights channel. Did you see the video where I um I watched uh, videos from life changing YouTuber known as Darman? No, I don't remember Darman. Okay, it's a recent one. He had a cameo appearance from another YouTuber in a video about gaming, and that YouTuber is Sniper Wolf. And so I decided to check out some of Sniper Wolf's videos. Very um, oh, right. very clickbaity, but it was a, there was an intro there, and I was like, "Well, that's one I haven't done," so uh, I decided to do it. <laughs> I was going to play the Indiana Jones theme on a recorder, but oh, well, I could try to learn it real quick. Let's hold on. Yeah, give it yeah. give it a shot, man. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> It doesn't it doesn't go as high as I want it to. It's pretty good. I could tell it's the Indiana Jones theme. All right, I'll stop. Okay. Uh <laughs> movie news. Very important before we get into the very meaty Indiana Jones discussion. We got some very important <laughs> news that's shaking culture and affecting the world as we know it. Lola Bunny's titties got totally nerfed. <laughs> what are you thoughts? I didn't know about this. <laughs> Very odd. Is this for the new Space Jam movie? Yeah. Okay. Space Jam. There's two controversies, aren't there? It's the Lola Bunny one, and the (laughs) Pepe Le Pew is being removed from Space Jam 2 as well. Um, Yeah. And i got to say, I don't know, I don't give a shit about either of them, to be honest. It's funny, because it's not like they removed the original's existence, it's just people deciding yeah whether it's corporately or from the artist or both it's people just deciding yeah we don't want to make that movie it's like okay whatever it's like if they were remaking it and they missed the point of the original then you know somebody who's passionate about it could make like a really long video about it like the lion king review or whatever yeah i I feel like this lola bunny drama is like such an example of the internet just being detached from any reality you know yeah how much of it is real? Yeah, exactly. Like, you go into the street and ask, like, a random old lady, what do you think about the Lola Bunny redesign? <laughs> you know, like, no Wait, one cares. Everyone's, just... <laughs> Everyone's bored in lockdown. There's nothing else going on. It's just Space Jam 2. It's like the people who are excited for the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Next episode, we'll all have seen it, probably. It leaked early. That's funny. It accidentally got posted instead of Tom and Jerry on HBO Max somewhere. <laughs> I love that. It's up for like a yeah. few hours. Yeah, that's pretty hilarious. What a goof. I don't know how that... Yeah, what a giant fuck up. Like millions of dollars on the line. <laughs> I love a lot of what HBO Max is doing, but they need to fix a couple things. They really need to like iron out things about their streaming service. You see the picture of Jared Leto as like Joker? Oh, Jared Leto, Jesus Joker or whatever? Yeah, none of them are as good as Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. It's the third joker there are a lot of streaming services now hbo max paramount plus peacock disney plus um netflix hulu criterion channel trauma channel Channel or whatever they call it there's like a horror one screamer yeah i've got like subscriptions within subscriptions like on my amazon i've got like movie films as well and like oh yeah 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 there's so many it's like come on 
I had to get a free trial for Paramount Plus to watch the spot the SpongeBob movie. Oh. The new one. That was important. Yeah. Oh right. Mm-hmm. There's like a million different ones you gotta have though. Like that's all I wanted from Paramount Plus. That's it. So now I'm done. I wish Disney would just buy all of them. And then <laughs> <laughs> that's that might happen. What's funny is if they did, you would still be paying for separate services too, because Disney is, yeah. has like four of different ones, five different ones. They they would just upcharge it. Yeah, I would just be paying thirty dollars. Like yeah. Disney owns a bunch of them already. They're not consolidated into one affordable thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, Lola Bunny, her tits. Sorry. <laughs> Back to that. Okay, <laughs> it's important. Is there any hope for the the movie? As soon as it got announced. I didn't think it would be good or anything. It's like, it's not going to capture the spirit of the original. Yeah, that's what I mean. Good's kind of the wrong word. I don't think any movie can. <laughs> it's kind of a flash in a pan, right? Yeah. And when we covered the original, when we were talking about it on the podcast, it's like, I don't know. Like, there's so many things about it where I'm like, yeah, you can't do this today. Like, this wouldn't... It had to exist then. They would be a bit more conscious of how this would be perceived you know, so this wouldn't like <laughs> mm-hmm. this is just 1996 in a bottle, which is why I love it. Yeah, I, I don't expect Space Jam 2 to be like memorable. I expect it to be just like boring schluck, like any other nostalgia cash grab remake thing. I don't know. Apparently, a lot of people love De- Detective Pikachu, but <laughs> I found it to be really boring. So, yeah, I couldn't sound that one. Well, if uh, you want them to restore her titties, uh, sign the petition, yeah. <laughs> bring back her tits. Also, really funny uh, side note here. In the furry porn community, basically, the porn is the exact same, but now she has a speech bubble saying, I was just wearing a sports bra earlier. <laughs> it's like all, all these different pictures of just like oh trying to retroactively explain why there is like a canon image of her with smaller breasts, but still oh retaining God. the larger breasts. I find that hilarious. Oh, I need a drink. Hold on. <laughs> right. important it's early. Here. I guess it's earlier for me than it is for you. Yeah. It was late for me, man. Yeah. It's after 12 here. True. All right. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Take it away. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to talk about these. Holy shit. The Indiana Jones trilogy and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Did you both recently watch Crystal Skull or do you just have it in memory? No, I watched, I all, watched four. all of them again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I pumped him out in one day. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, that's like what I did. Okay, awesome. I mean, I remembered them very well. Yes, because I've seen mm-hmm. them a lot. But yeah, I watched them all again. I love these movies. I, I think. Well, not to spoil my opinion, but yeah, I love these movies. They're very easy to rewatch. Um, so let's start with the first one. Uh, spoilers, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark, directed by Steven Spielberg. It came out uh, nineteen eighty one, and it follows Mister Indiana Jones as he goes <laughs> to find the. What is that fucking thing? It's like a the Chintamani the Ark Stone. of the Covenant. That's yeah. it. He's trying to find the Ark of the Covenant uh, with his friend Marion Ravenwood, and he's chased down by a bunch of Nazis. And the movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's a bunch of action. It's an action adventure. It's pl- it's paying homage to the action adventure serials of like the past, like Flash Gordon or something like that. And Lucas and Spielberg were really inspired by those kinds of films in their early career because uh. You know, Star Wars is basically that, and so is this. It's a tribute to those, but it's also a modernizing of that, where they actually made the the characters good, and the action sequences are fantastic, and the music and the the violence too is you know really mm-hmm. out there. But yeah, let's uh let's get your thoughts on it because I'm really interested in what you all have to think about Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think it's the best indie film. It's my personal favorite one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, everything you said, it's 
I do have a connection to it based on nostalgia, obviously. I grew up with these films. I especially connected to the third one, but revisiting this one, I was the most impressed by. Um, Mm. It has been a while since I I have watched them. I don't think I've actually seen them as an adult. Um, Maybe Crystal Skull I have, but um, yeah, Raiders is a really solid like pulpy action movie i'm just so impressed by the 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 execution of those action scenes combined with the music especially that's kind of what indie boils down to to me it's like yeah anytime it it, it just filters itself down to the pure essentials of what it's trying to do this pulpy kind of i, I read a quote saying um the idea kind of came about from aside from the the homage to these pulpy stories from the 30s and 40s it also was Spielberg expressed a desire to direct a Bond film and hmm. Lucas suggested an idea supposedly better than Bond. And you can kind of see how this is their own take on that style of story where you have each kind of uh, episode or movie starts with a an action sequence that's like completely irrelevant to or in three of the, the four it's irrelevant but mm-hmm. a detached action sequence that establishes the characters in raiders especially i think that that opening sequence is is brilliant not just in terms of all the you know the 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 set piece moments everyone knows like the boulder and the the sandbag and everything like that but it does a really good job of establishing the character and a bunch of setups with the snake and the the whip and everything it's all the pulpy stuff the adventure mm-hmm. serial stuff that I just love and it, it really captures that the imagination of a child and they just love the the purity of Indy um, in terms of his motivations it's all about it belongs in a museum it's all about you know <laughs> fighting against evil and having pure intentions and uh, him like dueling the dual life with him being like a teacher by day and a, an explorer um, in his spare time yeah th- the students love him <laughs> yeah it's very silly um, in that kind of yeah. Star Wars way um, Mm-hmm. But I love it for that. They're very episodic, these movies. Mm-hmm. Goes back to the James Bond thing. I was thinking of that too. Even in uh, Temple of Doom, the opening of that film was more like yeah, a yeah, James yeah, Bond <laughs> kind of movie. Uh, but Adam, what do you think of these? I mean, you may not be as positive maybe on me, just gathering from like seeing maybe some of your ratings, but I'm sure there's a lot yeah. you appreciate about it. I mean, yeah, there is. It is. I'll agree that it is very much like a mix between Star Wars and James Bond in ways. Mm. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Star Wars or James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, what am I going to do? So, yeah, it's um, in terms of what it's going for tone wise, this is going to sound very strange to a lot of people, as as I'm aware. But everything that I wanted to get out of it is what I got out of the second film and none of the others, which I know is universally considered like the worst of the, the trilogy. Maybe not as bad as Crystal Skull. And I'll go into more detail about why I love the second one when we start talking about that as its own discussion. But in terms of the first film, there were a couple things that were kind of like preventing me from getting the pure experience out of it that I know so many other people are able to get. One of those being out of all all four of them, it's the most like referenced pop culture thing. And because this was my first time seeing it and because I'm a human being that exists on this planet and have seen every, <laughs> you know, reference, like, I, I thought there was, like, yeah. more to the Boulder thing. I thought, I, di- I didn't know that that was, like, the intro of the film and then it just, like, kind of went away. So it was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah like, I've seen that. 
the Nazi villain shows up and immediately as soon as I see his face, I'm thinking of that gif of his face melting off. I'm like, yeah, like that's coming. (laughs) And it's like part of it might just have to be one of those like you had to be there sort of things. And I know neither of you were like alive when this movie came out. I wasn't either. But you two were at least able to watch it when you were younger, right? I don't know how young you were when you watched them. I was pretty young. I was like a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid. That's the thing. Kids, like, as kids, like, people watched Indiana Jones. We loved it. Even though these movies are pretty hardcore, like, watching them now, they're really violent. (laughs) (laughs) They're really bloody. There's some sequences, yeah. Spielberg does not shy away from the Nazi imagery at all in the first film. Like, it's, you know, swastikas everywhere. This was, like, like, before the PG-13 rating, right? Yes, it was. And I believe Temple of Doom is what basically created the PG-13 rating because that oh, film yeah. was so dark. This guy gets his fucking heart ripped out. But we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this movie is insane. Like, there's a guy, like, lit on fire and Indiana Jones shoots him in the head and, like, blood comes out. Like, holy fuck. But there's so many badass moments like that. People getting thrown in propeller blades and, you know, this is a ballsy movie. There's a lot of ballsy decisions that... I think it had a had an impact. Even though Indiana Jones, like you said, Alex, is very um like his his goals are very simple. Like he's just a good mm-hmm. guy who wants to put it in a museum. And he doesn't really progress or change too much as a character and and that's okay. No. You're coming for Indy, the action hero, the the man you wanna be sort of thing, the, the you daydream being. The, the adventurer the, mm-hmm. that goes out and you know, saves <laughs> slaves and um yeah, it's yeah. It's just a lot of fun, and Harrison Ford, I think, really carries the the identity of the movie. He takes a a huge role in the the physical side of it. He loves doing his own stunts, and he has his own kind of beliefs on what the character should represent and go through. And it's cool reading that, like when a, you know the lead on a huge franchise actually is invested in what the mm-hmm. how the character is portrayed. I think Harrison Ford is like very charismatic. I feel the same way about the Marion Ravenwood actor, which I'm going to look up her name quick, but I feel like the both of them worked really well. And that's something that a lot of the other films might be missing, aside from Last Crusade, is that kind of a dynamic where they're actually like really good together. Um, it's Karen Allen is her name. She was the most naturally likable out of all of the female leads in the series. I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The like kiss my boo boo better scene was like really weird and awkward as fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, kind of cringing that whole time. I'll give you that. There's like a moment where like the bad guy looks at her in a mirror. She's like she has her shirt oh, off. Oh yeah, I'm, like, I'm not too. sure why that was necessary. Ooh. It's just like a, like kind of pandering. Like ooh look, it's mm-hmm. a naked lady. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Like, that didn't need to be in there. And but for the most part, she really holds her own. I, I like the setup a lot where she has a. You know, she has the drinking contest with the guy at the beginning, and then later she tries to have a drinking contest with the Nazi guy who has his own winery. Like, that mm. was really well set up. And, and yeah, she's got some good moments in this. Yeah, she didn't have a whole lot of screen time, though. I thought she had enough. For me, this yeah. movie flew by. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, before I knew it, it was over. So I guess it's better to be left wanting more. I love music, and music makes up a very important part of what i consider to be like a film if it's going to use it i mean films can always decide not to use music and that's equally as valid Mm -hmm. the score for the film very memorable gets stuck in your head this film in particular out of all four of them i would say that this one's like the worst culprit for spamming the main theme and (laughs) mostly in places where it clashes against the tone of what the scene otherwise would be so what what i say that i mean 
the tone of the main theme. Dun, bah, 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 it's so triumphant, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, triumphant. There's the implication of the emotions from the song itself are those communicated of accomplishment, achieving some sort of goal, you know, there's no danger here sort of thing. And the first film, especially the first film, keeps using it in scenarios where I wish that I could have felt some sort of tension. Like, it's not at the end of the action. It's during the action, before threats are eliminated, like, while he's rolling around on the ground with the rotating plane fighting the big guy. It's not like it's not like at the end of the scene where it's like, bump, bump, like, it's... The emotion is like, yay, we've accomplished something, there's no danger, but it's in the middle of the scene, so while I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, there's no danger, instead of being able to, like, like I don't know what the point is of setting up a threatening situation if the music's going to take away from that, and when I say spamming, I mean, like, I, I actually, last night, I skimmed through the film again, just on my, like, uh, Blu-ray player on my computer, just to fact-check myself, because what I'm saying right now is something that I had felt watching the movie, but I just wanted to make sure it was accurate. And so I got the timestamps of like when they were using literally the main theme of the song. And it's like they they literally play it four separate times within a span of six minutes in completely different scenarios. And each <laughs> one of them is just so inappropriately used in, in the sense where it's like this is in the middle of tension. Like you have the barrels lighting on fire. You filmed the oil trail leading to the plane. Indy is trying to like break open that window but the song is just going but i'm like well okay i guess he's destined to get like there's no tension right so that really it really takes away from the first film for me because of that like it's it's unbearable just how much they spam that song and how inappropriately it's used it's a great song though it's a great theme (laughs) i love that song on its own it's like a well-composed catchy theme i just think that the first film in particular not all the films but the first film really uses it super inappropriately and takes away from any tension or or implied danger or drama that otherwise i would have been able to feel in in the scene so yeah it's it's used like fucking what like nine times like in the movie but i'm not even kidding i time stamped six times or sorry four times within six minutes of screen time all just at incredibly inappropriate moments. And so that that's one of my gripes with the movie. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously there's a lot to appreciate about the film too, but th- that's one major thing that's really preventing me from being, like, fully into it, especially if so many of these scenes I'm supposed to be able to view in, like, an unironic way, you know? I don't think that spamming the theme song was some sort of meta-commentary on theme songs being overused in films. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that'd be a little out there. <laughs> yeah, I find it interesting you chose that scene with the plane because I think that's my favorite action sequence out of any of the Indiana Jones movies, and mm-hmm. I think it's just a just a perfectly executed action sequence in terms of the escalation, the tension, and pacing of it. Um, to me, the whole the whole fun of Indiana Jones is actually the tension where you felt you didn't feel it. It's putting him in a situation that just, he's so out of his league, so out of his mm-hmm. element, but every time he manages to just get out of it, and the plane scene is a great example of that. The way it builds up, it establishes the plane, and then yeah. the big guy. I loved that as a set piece. That was my favorite part of the first movie. Yeah, it's just, it, I love the elaborate nature, the way it builds up 
crescendos and then it's it's like not enough that there's just a plane and there's just a big guy mm-hmm. marion gets trapped inside the plane and then the plane yeah, starts moving it. in a circle yeah she co- it's yeah, fun it causes the gas to leak it's, yeah yeah it's an amusement park spectacle sort of thing you know and then there's a little bit of comedy thrown in too he usually has a quip or there's like a little funny moment um there's a funny moment where the swordsman comes out and he starts doing all kinds of flips and then indiana jones just shoots him i thought that was hilarious and <laughs> It comes in playing Temple of Doom. It's great. Again, it might just be a pop culture thing. During that moment, I wish that I would have, like, saw that moment as a kid. I probably would have loved it. But, like... Yeah. I created, like, a short film, <laughs> a dumb little fucking cringe thing when I was 18, and I did that exact <laughs> same thing without having seen Indiana Jones. And then someone was like, oh, that's from Indiana Jones. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so, like, <laughs> not only did I n- know that that was coming, but, like, I had already like done that independently at a younger age and i was like oh <laughs> you might have seen it somewhere because it's such an iconic like moment like even if oh, it was from something else you know maybe sure like a parody of something yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> like sue them <laughs> i do feel that way about some moments like i wish i could have seen it for the first time again or because you know i have yeah. that resonance from when i saw it for the first time but I can still appreciate, like, these are really clever moments. Like, the the tone of the film for me is very clear, the, the adventure tone. I was always having a good time. Maybe some of my criticisms with the next film coming up is that it's a little too dark. Uh, although this film, I think one gripe I have with it, maybe they, sensation- they sensationalized the, the Nazis a little too much. <laughs> Made them look a little too cool. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's fetishistic. Yeah, they were just like the Empire in Star Wars, and in, the Empire in mm-hmm. Star Wars is fine because it's an allegory, or like it's not. Yeah, it's not literally Hydra. Nazis. There's, whatever. Yeah, or Hydra. Hydra is a great example. They say Hail Hydra. You know, yeah. it's in, it's implied. You know, because you don't want to see Nazis in in a Marvel movie. <laughs> you don't want to see. You don't want to <laughs> see Iron Man mm-hmm. fight a Nazi. Or, um, in this film, although I'm not going to tell Spielberg's a Jewish man, so. It's it's a little. I do feel he's insane. Like there's literally like close-ups of swastikas. Like swastikas are everywhere. I'm like, wow. Okay. Uh, it doesn't. It's it's just an interesting choice. The monkey does a sick hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I'm like I'm like not even bothered about it in terms of like the implied effect on like I guess culture or like social responsibility. I'm more upset about it because it's just a really lazy villain and that doesn't say anything about anything. Like, if I'm going to watch a movie with Nazis in it, I'd like it to be something about World War II, or I'd like it to be something that, like, delves into, like, the psychology or something. You know, like, The White Ribbon, there's no Nazis in it, but it features characters that would later grow up to be Nazis, and that's, like, a central part about the movie. It makes it really interesting. But there's so many movies out there where it's just, like, we're fighting Nazis, and... It's like this weird like boner that a lot of people have for Nazis in a movie that I just don't understand and have never connected with, where it's like you place that group of people, th- those symbols, those characters, you place them in a film, and all of a sudden it's like, ooh, this is awesome, this is epic, and I've just, I've never understood that. It, it's always just seemed so lazy and just mm-hmm. unspecial and really um, boring. Well, it depends on the context, too. There's a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's this scene where Leo comes in. It's like a movie. It's like a parody of basically Indiana Jones. He comes in with a flamethrower and kills a bunch of Nazis. Like, it, it's fun. I thought that was supposed to also parody, like, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, <laughs> in that's that too. Scene. I mean, parodying himself. Yeah. yeah. But it's a... 
killing Nazis is fine. Like sensationalizing the death of like like the end of this film where their heads are melting. Like that's great. That's a great moment. <laughs> I love seeing the Nazis have their head it's, melted. But that's why it's easy and that's why it's kind of a cop out. Is because you don't have to like, like Yeah, but there's such there you, you don't know. have to actually say anything about the characters to make people dehumanize them. It's just like an automatic like, oh yes, this is like already a part of society. Everybody recognizes this sort of thing, you know? Like I don't know. Yeah. It's just it just feels lazy to Does me. Does that not that kind of makes it the perfect foil for indie though, doesn't it? He's a yeah. it's a simple poppy story and he's got yeah. simple motivations. He he's the like simple good and the Nazis are the simple evil there's no grayness about it yeah it's all very they're... black and white in mm-hmm. terms of that stuff i yeah. would feel differently about it if i just if i felt like i was watching something new you know i think maybe that's my biggest gripe right. is that it just feels like more of the same old you know yeah i i actually find it weird like for example like when video games like take out the nazi flag when the story is set. oh yeah when it's literally a world war ii video game <laughs> that's stupid it's like mm. indy's motivation yeah. is he's trying to get the arc before like hitler can and it, it is so over the top with the sick yeah. monkey with the exploding heads that honestly that part doesn't really bother me because everything is just so ridiculous and over the top in that pulpy way i, I just felt, yeah. feel like it, it, it mostly didn't bother me either it was just the swastikas yeah. like there's a few too many swastikas right my... yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they were like I don't know obscured, or I think even in the in the third film, Last Crusade, they do a better job. Like they're obscure, they're kind of in the background more. Like they're on fire. Like you see, like that's fine. Like I don't just want to see like a close up of a swastika. Like it's it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, and it's a fun adventure movie. Those are like the only moments to me that feel dated. I don't think maybe it's like ignorance. Like they just didn't understand. I don't know. I feel like also in the eighties there was like less of an understanding of like I don't know if this is true, but like anecdotally, I feel like eighties and nineties like Nazis were more of a joke because you didn't see them on Twitter, right? It was like, oh, who could actually believe mm-hmm. this? So it was always easy to yeah. just be like, haha, yeah, Nazis, you know, like you could cosplay as a Nazi and not offend anybody because everybody would recognize it's a joke. Whereas now it's like, oh, shit, these people actually like uh, I th- I thought this was a problem that was dealt with. Oops. <laughs> these people actually kind of still exist. Oopsie. Yeah, sad to say. And, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of realization kind of ruins it for modern uh, media. Like oh shit! Some of you are actually serious. <laughs> it's it's still fun to see them, you know, get blown up. The end of the film's great, where their heads melt. I love that part. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I love that <laughs> practical effect. A lot of the sets and a lot of the sequences mm. for the practical effects, a lot of the setups, set pieces. I guess mm-hmm. I don't feel as though that made up the bulk of the film. And I felt like when those moments weren't there i was kind of bored out of all of the indiana jones films i guess i'll wait until the second film to specify but the second film didn't waste as much time independently of of these things that i enjoyed whereas in the first film there's literally two exposition scenes in a row at the beginning and it's like yeah it's at the beginning it's like setting things up but it's like man they could have just been so much more efficient with that Mm -hmm. you know I didn't find this film boring. That's not what I felt at all. Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of it, too, is Spielberg's directorial style. I think he's mm-hmm. got a great... I think the way he shoots his films is really great. Uh, I think there's a lot of moments in here that are fantastic. The opening of the film is iconic. Like that whole swapping out the, the bag for the golden idol and the boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I could have seen that before, like the 8 billion 
parody. <laughs> uh, Alfred Molina as well. I believe that's yeah, Doctor yeah. Octopus. Yeah, he he makes a. Oh yeah, it's like the first time he's ever been in a movie. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of good like little parts. How do you guys feel about this idea that um, indie actually has no effect on the plot of the movie in terms of the Nazis would have got to the same yeah. end goal with 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 the without him? That's true. Mm-hmm. Personally, that doesn't bother me at all. I think it's just like a funny observation. Yeah, uh, but he rescues not... Marion. That's like he that's does what he does at Marian. the end. He rescues Marion and tells her close her close your eyes or you're gonna die. And then uh, I believe in the bar scene as well. Like they're gonna kill her or something before they burn down her that's, bar. That's one thing that I do. It's like a slight nitpick. Like when he says to close the eyes, I wish there was some kind of setup for that somewhere. Um, I, I assume there was some mm-hmm. kind of deleted line or scene that maybe explained that, but it it does come out of nowhere. But yeah, okay. I, I think that's all my criticisms with it, though. There's a lot of a uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how to phrase it. Insensitivity, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, in, the, in this in this whole trilogy, I'll say that if it's an older movie, I feel like that kind of makes it more interesting. That was like half mm-hmm. of my enjoyment of King Kong. I love time capsules, right? I yeah, love yeah, relics of the right. past and seeing like what was culturally acceptable at one moment in time. You know, like I yes. I I find that infinitely more engaging than mm-hmm. if that doesn't exist in a movie and it's otherwise the same. Oh yeah, like it's it's just so much more. There's so much more to chew on. I, I still love both those films. Yeah. I just like to view them in that context. Yeah. And I'd ask like anyone listening to my opinion, just watch them in that context. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was a different time. Man. I still love these films. Yeah. The amount of times you say to yourself, oh my God, they'd never do this in a movie now throughout these, mm-hmm. the, the trilogy in particular. That's actually one of the things that really lets down the fourth one when we get to that. I just kind of stands mm. out compared to the original trilogy to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, um, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. I, I want to make clear that, like, even completely ignoring what moments of the first film have been parodied and replicated in pop culture, etc., even ignoring that completely, all of the other important scenes in the film where there are implied moments of drama, like... I'm going to torture you with this hot fire poker thing. I'm like patiently waiting like, okay, somebody's going to burst. Like, you're not going to do this. Like, you know, (laughs) it was predictable independently of that and very formulated, very. I didn't get much out of it from a narrative sense. I don't know if either of you feel as though the writing is particularly great in these films or if it's mostly like a production value spectacle action set piece. Like, I I don't know how either of you value the writing in particular, I guess. I I guess I think it's a blend of both. Yeah. Yeah, I I really value, I think Indiana Jones has a lot of memorable lines with Mm -hmm. the snakes. Why have to be snakes? And, um, I mostly like the adventure story as well. Like I like the adventure serial kind of story where you have to find some artifact. And I enjoyed Indiana Jones, like looking through tombs and doing all these things. Like, oh, I got to figure out how to get the staff to line up with the sun. And, you know, there's, I, I bet if you enjoy these kinds of adventure movies, then there's a lot of great stuff like that. I feel like the National Treasure movies try to capture that. Nicolas Cage, like going around trying to find mm-hmm. stuff like underground. Tomb Raider. I, I feel like people, like the mystery they like finding like oh there's this artifact from the past that can do crazy shit ghosts come out of it or yeah it's the holy grail or it's the you know 
the can- the crystal skull <laughs> or whatever. Um, I like that mystery. I like those things as settings for films. I like having films or even video games like Uncharted. Like those can be a fun way to write your script around those ideas. But I need a bit more than that in terms of writing for me to be like attached or connected. I didn't really yeah. find any of the characters like memorable or interesting, except like one guy that barely had any lines where he was like, they're digging in the wrong spot. Like he he had, he had some charisma, <laughs> you know, there was nothing like very engaging about like the dynamics between the characters, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it was very, it was a movie that did not surprise me or engage me in pretty much any way. But I respect and appreciate a lot of what went into this movie and a lot of what it inspired, despite, I guess, how derivative like the whole thing is anyway. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's an homage to adventure serials. It's just much better done. It's like popularizing these sorts of things, I guess. <laughs> I'm never going to watch it again. Uh, Alex, right. you have anything? <laughs> You're never going to watch it again, really? No. Okay. No, I would... I'm, when the 4K release comes out in... A few months, I think. I'm going to try and find out if they sell the second movie on its own. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to have to buy the whole quadrilogy. <laughs> it's, but whatever. It's interesting, like the second one. Is there anything else you want to say about this one, Alex? I mean, I, I got everything. I basically said everything I want to say, but I love them. Just on the the writing, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, uh-huh. I, I like it for what it is. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the dialogue's like blowing my mind. or But yeah. I, I think it's appropriate <laughs> for, for what they're going for, the intent of what they're going for. Mm-hmm. And as I'm saying, I think I think that the best writing is the the following through of the the action scenes and the way they kind of flow together and the the way they build up. Each action scene is like its own little mini story mm-hmm. in of itself, and that's really what keeps it going for me and what keeps the whole trilogy yeah. interesting to me. But the set pieces are the most interesting, especially in Ra- in Raiders. Um, actually, and Doom a little bit too. Um, but in Raiders, the the last hour or so of the movie is just like non-stop it's so much fun to me um mm. and i think it flows the best out of the the four movies in my mind i just i'd love the way the story comes together and the journey of the characters it's, it's just perfect pulpy fun mm-hmm. adventure for me yeah i just want to say raiders is my favorite one they're oh, really yeah. close you like the third i, I think, think oh, the cool. opening of raiders though is probably the best scene of any indiana jones film i mean that is the scene that's like yeah, that's the it scene that's everything. Indiana Jones. You know, everyone knows that scene from Indiana Jones because that's, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's exciting. the hat, the whip, the the snakes, the yeah, just everything you need. Exactly, to know. it's it's perfect. That on its own is wonderful. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I don't have many other criticisms. Some of the imagery, it's not very um, it's not a deep film. The characters aren't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's super. what I mean. It's light. It's light adventure pulp, and it's really fun. It's really well made for what it is. I really love the music too. Like the the soundtrack for this is iconic, and mm-hmm. maybe I, I I've never noticed the theme being using used too much. But oh man, I was surprised when I skimmed through <laughs> it. It was just something that I felt watching it, and then when I fact checked, yeah, it. maybe it's because I've heard the theme so much. It's like it's kind of like white noise for me now. The Indiana Jones theme, like, yeah, it's just so. I could say I could hum the whole thing mm-hmm. right now, especially but, after watching yeah, four like, of them in a row. Yeah, I've, I've memorized the song before I've seen a single film. <laughs> like it's everywhere, right? mm-hmm. but it's just the the tone works against the scenes in many ways. Like imagine making an Indiana Jones film without this theme song. Like you can't, you can't. Oh yeah, I'm not saying remove it. 
or anything. It, it just wouldn't work. It's almost like how the Superman theme is so tied to Superman, and then like Man of Steel got rid of it, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just a big like, okay, so what's even the point? <laughs> if this mm-hmm. the Superman theme is most of what Superman is, and I feel the same way about Indiana Jones. It adds so much to him. Uh, it adds so much to these movies. Uh, I love. I think yeah. like the music is. Uh, it would. It would really re- detract from the film if the music wasn't there. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it's half yeah. the movie to me. In the same way it is in Star Wars, it, it it communicates so much. And as I say, I think the all of the indie movies are at their best when there's no dialogue and it is the visuals doing all the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, film number. Oh wait. I guess we're giving our ratings after each one, aren't we? Yeah. Film number one, I would give Raiders of the Lost Ark 9 out of 10. Yeah, I'm with you. 9. Indiana Jones, the first one. I'm giving this one a 5 out of 10. I'm sorry, everybody. What? (laughs) (laughs) Did not connect with me. There are elements that I thought worked against the film. Yeah, it's not like everything needs to be like a super complicated art house piece, as evidenced by... My upcoming opinions about the second film. Take it away, Ralph. (laughs) Temple of Doom is the second one. Uh, Sorry, this one's way lower on my list. (laughs) Temple of Doom, the second one, 1984. Uh, So he goes to India, and there's a village that is, like, going... uh, They're starving. There's no food or water or anything. It's because this guy stole their stone. It's like a magical stone, and he's using it to like sacrifice people or something take their souls and he also has like a cave full of child slaves and then indiana jones i guess has to get the stone back and bring it back to the village so to save the town i guess that's the plot it's a really fucked up film Hell it's yeah. really dark really dark uh so yeah you guys talk more about this one because i would I, this is not my favorite one definitely uh i have a lot of a few complaints with it um i still like it but mm-hmm. uh yeah, I wanted to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I was—I never enjoyed Temple of Doom growing up as much. I never watched it as much. But revisiting it here, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, it's the most true to that pure pulp, just like nonsense. I agree. It, it's so over the top, so silly. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't... I don't think it flows as well. It's more awkward in the way it, it jumps around the story, um, in my mind. And yeah, tonally... It is dark in places in ways I don't know if it was fully necessary. Um, but then it is what makes it stand out in the trilogy, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the darkness, the depressing nature of it, with George Lucas and Spielberg were going through divorces and yeah. breakups at the time, which might explain the Definitely. ripping heart out stuff. Yeah, that's what they've both said. Lucas is like, I was going through a divorce. I was in a very bad state of mind. And Spielberg has said, like, he doesn't like the film. He thinks it's too dark. It's too mean. <laughs> That adds a, a level of intrigue to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that makes me like it more. Yeah, and as far as the sensitivity stuff, um, I notice <laughs> it a lot more in this one. Um, yeah. With short round a bit. When they're eating monkey brains. <laughs> yeah, and the monkey yeah. brains. There's, you know, there's some stuff, but again, yeah. it's, the, it's the 80s, man. It's a different time. Just, just the India, yeah, they set the film in India and... I guess people would criticize this story for being the white savior trope of the Westerner comes to a foreign country in the East and, you know, he saves everyone because he's the Westerner who knows, you know, he's strong and he knows the way, you know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't take anyone's orders. And and that could be seen as a bit like insensitive or, you know, there's a million other words for it, problematic or whatever. Yeah. In the context, just watching it, I don't know. I, I don't 
care that much i'm not going to pretend to be offended by it it's it's yeah, yeah it's definitely a criticism i would have it's a time capsule it is a time capsule and i would say more so it's it's more like poorly communicated because the point of that scene where they're eating like the monkey brains in the palace spielberg said that's supposed to be like they're almost like making fun of indiana jones and his friends like oh they the westerners think that we need like monkey brains so they're gonna bring out monkey brains to them to like kind of mess with them kind of fuck with them you know, but that wasn't that. really communicated well to me at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I believe it. Didn't they actually eat them? <laughs> yeah, that sounds exactly. like an excuse. It feels like so <laughs> poorly thought out. I think it was more they they had an exposition dump they needed to do, and mm-hmm. they just said it in a dinner scene, and they just wanted to make it as yes. entertaining as they could, and didn't. Yes, even... yeah, they just exactly. wanted to be funny, right? Exactly. <laughs> so they didn't give it a shit. Yeah. So, like in the first film, they had two particularly long exposition scenes, one after the other, at the beginning of the movie. And I was just like, oh, get back to the action set pieces, you know? There's like, there's a couple exposition scenes in this film, but there's so much more appropriately handled in terms of like what I want out of the movies. Hmm. So the first one, there's the the most boring exposition scene is where the Indian tribesman or whatever uh, is explaining that he has to go into the temple or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at least in that scene, he's kind of like kooky. He's kind of like, you know, a weird kind of character that is a little bit interesting to watch and you know contrast that to first indiana jones films it's just like boring to like <laughs> two two normal looking white dudes talking about what needs to be done later in the movie i'm just like ah, oh, get on with it and in the second film it's like so much shorter too it's like so much more compact it feels like it doesn't waste any time in the same sense that like a movie like crank would or it feels like the priorities of this film are to be more wacky and outlandish and really like everything that I was hoping to get out of the entire franchise is just in the second movie. The intro for the film, the opening scene with like all the dancers as they're still trying to dance and there's like a shootout going on and like, the, goes, you know, yeah. diamond and the antidote and you know, like the <laughs> f- fucking that gigantic cylinder that he like runs behind as they're shooting. It's like, it's all so fast paced and so crazy that it feels so engaging to me. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't stop. I love it. It's a lot of fun. I really love the opening of the film, too. And I really like that yeah. it's very different from the Raiders of the Lost Ark opening. It's a totally different setting. Indy's in a suit. It's like, yeah, the the flaming shish kebab and all that shit. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> the introduction of Short Round is very good. I think after that, the film really takes a giant lull. Like, the, there's an hour of the film that I just thought was really boring, and I wasn't into it. Yeah. I think... Toward the end, it picks up again once the action starts. Like, the, the mine cart chase is really good. Yeah. That's, that's when amazing. the film started getting good for me again. I thought all that was really exciting. I was going to ask you, would you consider the sequence where they're, like, lowering people into the lava and the female lead is, like, in danger of having that? Is that a part of the hour where you were bored? Oh. Uh, I just want to, like, understand where that was in the movie. Yeah, I don't even remember where that was necessarily. Yeah. I just liked when the action picked up again. There wasn't a lot of action. Even that part, I guess, was fine. But there just mm-hmm. wasn't any action going on. I didn't particularly care for that character nearly as much as Marion. Because uh, that character... Oh, yeah, I was rooting for her to die. It was so much fun. I like that. I guess they made her different than Marion by making her a bumbling like, buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the total opposite. Uh, yeah. So I guess they wanted to do something different. Kate Capshaw. Steven Spielberg's wife. Mm-hmm. She's like a... She can't do anything. She can't even ride an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a frustrating character to me. I, 
I, I do like that she is an inverse of Marion from the first movie. I think sure. that probably is what they were going for because it gives Indy a different dynamic to kind of bounce off. She doesn't have much to her and she does get quite grating after a while, especially mm-hmm. when yeah. you're used to Marion and she's just so much more capable. And at the end, she's like, oh, I love you, Indy. <laughs> like, she's okay <laughs> after all that. And then you never see her again. Yeah. It's a prequel too. It, it is balanced out by Short Round a lot. Like, Short Round does help her annoying, like, balances it out, you know? I thought Short Round was an entertaining character, and his dynamic with Indy is very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the heart of the movie to me, in mm-hmm. Temple of Doom. Yeah. And how, like, he, he has, in the action sequence towards the end, where they're, like, freeing all the slaves, and Short Round is, you know, he has this little fight with the the other kid. There's just, like, all the, all the kid thing that's going on with the slaves and stuff. There's mm-hmm. And his relationship with Indy, they never, like, explain how they how that relationship began or whatever, but... It's it is really fun, but what they do with it, he's he's really charming. Mm-hmm. There's different yeah. types of cringe. The female lead performance cringe in this movie is the kind of cringe that I kind of like. <laughs> I was having fun with it, like I love it compared to like the cringe of the first movie with that weird like kiss my boo boo better scene. Like that was just like <laughs> uh, like come on. When she said, I broke a nail for like the second time, I'm like, this is so stupid. I love it. <laughs> it felt like pretty self-aware about what it was. And perhaps like, I get it. Like those comedic elements aren't going to land with everybody. And in a way they didn't with me, but I still loved it because it didn't in a way, if that makes sense. Sometimes they did. Indy had some good responses to her. Like she would, she was throwing a tantrum and then he was like, or let's camp up that way <laughs> like just ignoring her that was really funny yeah. there's there's moments like that yes yeah it does bring out a funny side of him one of my favorite parts of the movie is that shot of him looking through the hole and he says we are going to die <laughs> sad face that little face he makes right before it cuts I, I saw that gif before and i didn't know that this movie was what it was from it's so funny i love it there's yeah. so much entertainment for me in this movie i just wish there was more action and i wish it was spaced out better because it's all basically at the end i find that so strange yeah i i just once the minecart that's that's when that's the moment where i like the movie again that's when it really picked up for me this film felt like it was packed with action for me and so i guess you know i wouldn't be surprised if like if we timed it out and and fact check this i wouldn't be surprised if there's an equal amount of action in both films or something who knows right it might just be based off mm-hmm. of our perception of like how much we're enjoying either film yeah because like yeah there's like a good amount of set pieces in the first movie there's also a, a good amount of set pieces in the second movie like there's tons especially near the end yeah i think it's paced out differently it's a very differently paced film yeah yeah uh, the end of the film that once it gets to the bridge scene to me that's like the peak like that that scene is fantastic and it's so simple like it's just a wooden bridge and the suspense they built up like there's only one way out and he's got to cut the rope and then they do and like that that's that moment is spectacular it's so exciting yeah i'd agree but i'd include the whole section before it too exactly the, mm-hmm. yeah, so it flows continuously and the the voodoo mm-hmm. stuff i love that yeah. as well the fight okay. on the conveyor belt i like that a lot as well oh yeah that was pretty good yes part right. of what i really love about this is like the the moment where they escape the the water by going outside the tunnel onto the cliff edge. That was the moment where I was like, okay, like narratively, like things are going to start calming down. They're going to, you know, go somewhere else. But then it's like, oh no, the sides of the the tunnel exit are like crumbling apart, yeah. and now that huge, practically done too. I love it. 
this big set that they built with like all the water gushing out and like pieces breaking off and then it's like whoa they're still going with this and then immediately like oh we're doing the bridge thing now it's just like man you're really not like it caught me off guard i felt like i was watching something that genuinely surprised me and i was really into it Mm -hmm. and I, I would also like to bring back up the usage of the theme song in this film. I fact-checked this last night because it was just something I was feeling the first time I watched it. But the usage of the theme song in this film, like every instance I found of it, was like so much more appropriate. It's used like a couple times in the actual temple tunnel or whatever during fight scenes. But it's always like at the end of the fight. It's like once the dude is like in the steamroll con- conveyor belt like that's when the theme goes because that's the accomplishment mm-hmm. the emotions that mm-hmm. i have associated with that theme song da, 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 it's triumphant there is there's an impl- implication of having achieved or accomplished a goal so it doesn't take me out of the fight scene because what's happening visually and what's happening narratively is already expressing the emotions that are being communicated through the score and then, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't spam it like the first movie. I skipped through just to make sure. And yeah, it's only used like a few times. They play it at the end, which is like the most appropriate place to play it because you've accomplished the narrative goals of the entire film. And I'm pretty sure at the end is like the only time where you hear like the full song with like the bridge and verse, you know, it's not just the chorus. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, music, the way it's used in this film, not even not even just the theme song. There's a highlight <laughs> that just got uploaded to the YMS Highlights channel where I'm talking about the music in The Lion King and just how it's difficult to notice on like a first watch, but there's a lot more happening musically than you think. And you know how you're watching like a, a Looney Tunes cartoon, their actions are synchronized to the music, whether or not it's a pre-existing score that's being animated mm-hmm. to or or a score that's trying to match what the animation is doing. Each movement each motion has a corresponding part of the music basically imitating the emotions of what's happening right so like that's the most obvious thing is looney tunes like people know exactly what i'm talking about there in both the lion king and in this second film there are moments like that that i've really appreciated where there are individual actions that characters are doing that are just so clearly reflected in the film's score throughout this film like just as i was skipping through it i was like holy crap like the very clear changes in like the tone of the score just for like individual shots where it's like the composition is working with the film and not against it so like even completely ignoring the triumphant main theme thing like the rest of the score does it so well and the other films not so much it was super super noticeable for me in the second film and i just i Hmm. i really really enjoyed that part of it and i understand that's not something that a lot of people pick up on. i do love the score for this film too i think they all have great music the music's great in all three of them yeah i'd say for me the set pieces in the first film are just stronger uh the opening of raiders of the lost ark is so iconic and like i love that scene more than most of this film especially once it gets toward the end it picks up that's that's what i'd say for it How'd you guys feel about the minecart scene? There was a lot of so much fun. Uh, models used. Yeah, uh, it's pretty seamless, the whole thing. Yeah, I was expecting it to to age worse because th- there are certain elements in the movies that have aged a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I think Raiders has aged pretty damn well. There's not much I can really think of. Um, mm-hmm. There's some green screen stuff that looks bad, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, there's the odd bit here and there. Um, 
but in Temple of Doom, I, I, I thought it was pretty immaculate in terms of that stuff. That, that scene mm. in particular, because in my head I was even imagining, like, this this can't look as good as I remember it looking from, like, when I was a kid. But no, I was, like, really impressed by the execution of that that sequence in particular. Because mm-hmm. that one is a real, like, it's, it's literally a roller coaster basically yeah. in the movie. it's so honest with itself yeah because all of them are like spectacle theme park movies but this one is like no this is like literally a theme park ride yeah. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. oh great you know like it's so self-aware i love it i'm surprised they didn't go that way with the indiana jones ride because there's a ride in disney world or disneyland it's in disneyland True, yeah yeah i've been on that. disney world has a stunt show with indiana jones where mm-hmm. they recreate like the plane fight uh, then there's the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland. I went on that. It's like uh, you like go on a car, and there's the guy like who's the fat guy? What the fuck's his name? <laughs> this this guy. guy they meet in the first movie. He makes a short cameo in Last oh, Crusade. Yeah, he's like yeah, Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones's friend or whatever. I think that was the guy I liked. <laughs> yeah, I, I like him just fine. He's like the tour guide on that yeah, ride. He's awesome. Um, yeah, mm. it was very similar to Temple of Doom though. Like you go in a temple and there's like this uh ghost or whatever and they possess you and <laughs> it's a cool ride huh? it reminded me of this a little yeah they should have gone with the mind card yeah thing. yeah it's so self-aware and honest about what it is mm-hmm. that's like one of the biggest reasons why i love this movie yeah. is i, I don't, you're right is it like a big theme park ride i don't feel like it's ever working against itself from what it's trying to do you know it is dark i don't know if i would say it's too dark I don't think it's too violent to where kids can't handle it mm-hmm. or families can't handle it. It's just you got to know what you're walking into. I'm really harsh on this one, but I really like it. I've seen this one the least out of any of them, and I think that made me remember it the least. So it was actually really exciting to like watch a lot of these scenes again because it was like watching it almost for the first time. Like I didn't really remember it as much as uh, Raiders or Last Crusade. So so that was good. I'm in the same boat, so it was... It was interesting seeing it from that perspective because it it almost feels underappreciated in in the trilogy because like go, just going off the ratings and just it's the ugly duck yeah, yeah. it is it's exactly the ugly duckling the black sheep of the 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 movies if you discount mm. the the fourth one mm. but it 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 does do all the same things basically just as well it just has a different skin so the mm. the action scenes for example they're paced in the in a similar way they have the 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 same sort of elements being juggled it is just so much fun then the mm-hmm. the creativity they come up with and you mentioned the uh, the sets earlier adam and the, mm-hmm. the practicality of it all i think this one probably has the most impressive sets to me yeah mm-hmm. yeah with the whole the minecart and the the bridge yeah. and the it's crazy and that's forgetting about the beginning even when they're in a different continent like the it captures that pulp thing really well um but yeah i was saying with the as far as the the tonal stuff and the the violence, the 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 one time I was I was wondering if it was necessary was the like whipping flaying scene. <laughs> Talking about like imagery like that, it, it is uh... which one? Sorry, <laughs> it's a happening? lot. It's a lot. When when like short round is getting whipped and uh, oh yeah, and it's Indy's getting whipped as well. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, and the and the way it like it's, it has the whip like it integrated it is funny. But like that is, if I was showing that to like a six year old, it would be like, oh, it's kind of weird. You know? But I mean, I'm not a six. I'm. I, this is a perfect movie yeah, for yeah, me yeah, as I an know. adult, yeah. right? <laughs> I get such Sam Raimi vibes watching this movie, and I love. Right, yeah. I love cheesy Sam Raimi shit. I love Spider Man. I love Evil Dead, and this very much felt like one of those movies like throughout like much of it yeah like maybe that's it 
it felt like almost like uh like old peter jackson at, at times or you know like without being so gratuitous without being like super gory or anything but yeah like e- even moments where it's like you got fucking evil indie and like <laughs> like just that <laughs> as a concept and especially how it's acted is just so goofy and stupid and funny i love it but the film kind of knows that that's what it is too in a way mm-hmm. I yes, think I should hope. That's what they all are. I don't know. That's why I like all of them. Yeah, but this one really like embraces it. You know, it doesn't do this like half, you know, serious <laughs> sort of thing like the other films do. That's the most peril, that's for sure. Yeah, and I want to go back to um, we were talking about the minecart scene again. Like I am huge when it comes to music and sound design, and that like it's it's an essential part of films you know if they're including it in the film obviously and during the minecart scene so much of it like the first half of it no music and that's like that's such a restrained purposeful and effective choice that correct me if i'm wrong i don't remember seeing in any of the other indie films and for a movie in the 80s i don't know like that's that's more common of like an editing choice technique today i feel you know when when your movie is like loaded with a musical score and then all of a sudden you get to like one of the most intense action sequences it's like no there's no musical score here and then it becomes like legitimately more intense so like even unironically even though i enjoy this film so much from a humorous like haha that's stupid fun pulpy action blah 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 i enjoy a lot of that but even unironically i think it does the best job at actually making me feel tension in a scene and making me feel like oh wow this action's like actually fun and engaging and exciting and even ignoring the lack of musical score during a significant part of the minecart chase sequence the sound design in that sequence is just so well done all of these like crash action the like cave sounds the echoes yeah like yeah. the the echoes and like the ding ding like you kind of got that like um i don't remember what that effect is called where something gets lower pitched because it's you're moving fast as it goes behind you or whatever like oh yeah, yeah. there was so much effort and detail put into the sound design of not just that scene but like the whole movie that it just like it i i don't see it replicated in any of the other indie films and it means a lot to me so i I don't know it really mm-hmm. helped my experience yeah definitely we mentioned star wars before did you guys notice the name of the club at the beginning i hope you won isn't it oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's so it's like a little reference so to funny. the waiter was named wuhan <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean if you got no problem with indiana jones killing chinese people or indian people it's a it's a great movie but you know i'm not gonna pretend i give a shit in a film in a film (laughs) not really yeah last thing i'll mention about just like the sound design and the score is like i have another note here because i skimmed through it recently yeah there's a point where like the intentional choices of how the music is used is like so incredibly clear in terms of just how much intent there is behind it when they get separated because they're on both sides of the gushing water and indy has to climb up the hard way and short round and the annoying woman go the other way then he's like running back to connect with them we get the first part of the main chorus of the score it goes bum, ba, dum, ba, and then immediately there's like two dudes with swords right in front of him like blocking him and the 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 song gets cut off as a part of the score as an intentional choice yeah. and it moves into a more sinister kind of like like mm-hmm. oh this is like an actual serious moment and it's reflected in the music. 
I there's nothing like that as far as I remember, and especially after skipping through them, there's nothing that obviously intentional and and clever about how they use the music in any of the other indie films. So I don't know. Hmm. It's just the audio throughout this movie is awesome and i just yeah i love how it doesn't take itself too seriously short round is hilarious i don't care you know like there's so much cultural insensitivity in this movie but i love time capsules and also you know Mm. i assume ignorance over malice so you know i don't think that steven spielberg hates asian people or indian people or any i don't think he you know, wrote these things into his film because he's like, haha, that'll teach them. They're taking over my yeah. I don't think he's one of those. Well, George is the ideas guy, remember? Yeah, it's a different time period and yeah. people... If if you, you know, don't want to watch that kind of thing, then you don't have to watch it. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it had the guy mm-hmm. from The Shining that said the N-word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. The, the, whatever his name is. Yeah, I forget his name. Floyd? Lloyd? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, I really like this film. I I don't mean to be too negative on it because I agree a lot with what you said. I still think it's really well done. And like I, I initially I gave it a I believe a seven, but you know it really stuck with me. Like after a week, like yeah, there's some really great moments in there. Like the bridge scene at the end is really exciting. Like that that moment's fucking awesome when they're all falling and then they fall into the lake of crocodiles at the bottom. I'd probably raise it to an eight. I'd say eight out of ten for this Temple of Doom. Yeah, again, I'm with you, Ralph. I, I, I was expecting to dislike it more, just based off just the the zeitgeist around the movie. But it, it, it is, it, it is the underrated one. It, it does have the the great set pieces. It's so memorable. I can almost remember every frame of the movie. It's so mm-hmm. so vivid and colorful. It's packed. Yeah, and and when you were saying with the with the the guys with the swords jumping out and just the imagery of it, I can picture it all so clearly. Yeah. It's so much fun and mem- and so memorable. Um, I think it just doesn't quite capture the same energy of the first movie for me, and it doesn't have the the relationship dynamic of uh, uh, Marion from the first one. But exactly, or Sean Connery in the next film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or yeah. yeah, or Mutt, of course. Right. <laughs> yep. Four stars, eight out of ten. Awesome. Love it. I'll totally buy the 4K version, even if that means I have to buy the whole collection again. Yeah, I I think it's awesome. Very enjoyable. Very cheesy. Feels like a Sam Raimi movie to me. It's very different from the other two, and that's part of why I like it, is because I'm not, I'm, I feel bored watching the other ones. Very engaged <laughs> into this movie. Yeah, the action never stops. Super memorable. Want to watch it again right away. I genuinely love it. Six out of ten could be a seven uh, at some point in the future, but I would probably want to watch it a second time. That's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you like this one more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't you feel also the the fact that this is kind of the ugly duckling of the trilogy? The fact that it's talked about the least and kind of referenced the least in pop culture might have added to your enjoyment. Maybe that's why I was able to feel like. I was watching something new, I guess, but... Yeah, exactly. Because mm. all these other things, like Indiana Jones with the boulder and the golden idol and the thing where he shoots the swordsman, all these other things. Yeah, you've probably seen it before. Those are all in the first film, though. Yeah, the guy melting his face. Yeah, like, you've seen all that shit. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's just so good. Like, it's so iconic, that stuff. How can you not? The snakes, why there have to be snakes. That's definitely possible. Are even snakes in this movie? <laughs> like, maybe briefly, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there, there's things that that are just like so specific to the first and third movie only that the second didn't do. And so it was just like, oh, wow, I'm like actually watching a movie and not just, you know, 
something that's a part of a pile. I'm watching like a, an individual piece of art, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, even with the third movie, which hasn't been referenced as much in pop culture, as far as I know, there was nothing about the third movie where I was like, oh, I know what's happening here because I saw that blah, blah, blah. But I still didn't connect with it as much as I did with the second one. Like it felt, it felt like in the same way that you have a lot of remakes coming out today of, it, it was like the episode seven to episode four, you know, the third movie was very much trying to like follow the same structure and same beats and a lot of the same, not entirely, but like to a, mm -hmm. a lot of like callbacks to the first movie where it was sort of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like, Hey, you remember this? You like this? And with that being said, Take it away. All right. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's the final film in the good trilogy of Indiana Jones. It came out in 1989. It was intended to be the last one. Uh, that's what Spielberg said. It's in the title. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana Jones teams up with his dad, played by Sean Connery, and they, they go to find uh, the Holy Grail, which will grant you everlasting life. And they're stopped by Nazis, chased by Nazis again. So I guess this film is a bit of a reaction to Temple of Doom. It is a bit toned down, I noticed, mm -hmm. in terms of the violence and the sensitivity and <laughs> all yeah, of those things. Yeah. Um, but in other ways, I feel it excels, largely because of Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. I think they work really well together, and I like the father-son dynamic. Um, I also feel the film has a really strong opening as well, like the other two. Yeah, It's very different. And... Uh, Young Indy is played by River Phoenix, who's is it Joaquin Phoenix's brother? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. He passed away. But, you know, it was cool to see him. Yeah. I would have preferred to see him kind of take on the role of Indiana Jones in a more modern time than uh, Shia LaBeouf, which is what they were grooming mm -hmm. him to be, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that, too. Uh, what did you guys think of Last Crusade? There's a lot to talk about with this one. This was always my favorite one as a kid. I think I just connected with the father-son thing that they're going for in the movie because it, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of the first more traditional arc that a character goes through in one of the indie movies because his dad comes to learn to appreciate his son in ways well they both learn to appreciate each other basically because they yeah. they kind of you know when the movie starts they have their problems you kind of learn a bit more about indy's backstory and what motivates him like in the intro as you said it's him as a kid as like an ode to spielberg's youth and the scouts and stuff and the way mm -hmm. it kind of sets him up again and does the yeah the fan servicey stuff of explaining how where he got his whip <laughs> yeah. and hat and it is a bit fan servicey yeah all in the same scene uh, I, I love that cut when it cuts from him being young to an adult i think that's excellent yeah yeah that's I really great love that I, moment. I like all that stuff and yeah i do like the, the the core of the movie with the dad and son learning to appreciate each other and again there are some really good action set pieces um and the, with the music and everything i just think it's a really consistent trilogy like bringing up the intros to each one with each time we're talking about one of these movies the the intro is like a standout and trying to choose your favorite one can can be difficult and second one i just like the consistency of it and bring <laughs> and bringing back like the, the gimli from the first movie and bringing back just enough elements to kind of make it feel conclusive and literally riding into the sunset at the end and having yes, the nerve like... to continue it after that point <laughs> yeah, exactly i really like it i i like the bringing the nazis back again and 
<laughs> some some of the gags they do with that. I think the Hitler gag is is hilarious. In, yeah, I thought that movie. was funny too. He literally meets Hitler and he gets it, his journal signed by Hitler. He gets an autograph by Hitler. It's, it's so silly, over the top, and 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 like <laughs> Hitler's literally signing one of the MacGuffins of the movie. It's like what, it's what Hitler's searching for as well to add some irony to it. Yeah, that that was very funny. I don't know what the point I'd see was. He just went there to, I guess, get the journal back, and uh. Yeah, he's got to, like, go back to Berlin. He has, like, a brief exchange with the girl of this movie, who is... I guess they changed it up again. Um, Elsa is her name? By Her name's Allison Doody. <laughs> nice. <laughs> God damn it, for children. But she's, like... I liked how they changed it up again, where she's kind of the bad guy. She's a, a traitor. She works with the Nazis. and But she's also kind of got a thing going for Indiana Jones. Like, they have a little f- flirting kind of... They have a thing going on, you know? And Indy's dead. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a fucking hilarious moment, too. I think that's why this film works so well for me. I think it's the funniest film of all the three. Like, for me, the comedic beats work really well. I love the yeah. lines they have. I love the dynamic between Sean Connery and Indiana Jones. There were, it was never distracting, like, the insensitivity or the really dark violence, like the first two. Not that I don't like yeah, those moments, true. but for me, this is the one where all of that was the least distracting. I just kind of go along with it. You say distracting, I say entertaining. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those moments just catch you off guard, you know, where, like, a guy it. gets fucking thrown in molten lava yeah, and he's screaming. <laughs> he's like, oh my god. Yeah, I love that stuff too, but... Yeah, it's fucking awesome. I, I, I like the tonal consistency of this one. I like the comedy. I like the lightness. I like the lightness of this movie. And I do think the action set pieces are really fucking great in this film as well. The tank chase at the end, which I guess we'll get to, is mm-hmm. really one of my favorite set pieces in the entire series. Yeah. Maybe of all time. Like, I thought that was so fucking cool. And uh, Uncharted 3, of course, pays homage to that scene with its horse chase at the end. And, you know, it's it's really well done. It's all practical looks great and it's still goofy at the end like mm-hmm. the nazi falls down and it, you see like a close-up of his face or, or i guess it's like as he's falling down the mountain you know it's like a close-up of him like screaming like th- i thought that was perfect like comedic mm-hmm. note to like end the scene with i mean it ends on a gag too revealing that indy's like name he's named after his dog yeah, or even like Indiana Jones like coming up the hill, like they all think he's dead. You don't seem so positive on this one. I Adam. Yeah. The comedic beats in this film I wasn't I wasn't super into. Like the 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 way the that I felt when they were like, ha, oh, it's just named after the dog, haha. It just felt reminiscent of like Blumhouse's Fantasy Island where they're like, and that man was named Tattoo or something like I don't know. Those are like different goals, I there, guess. There's it's just so like... many moments, though. Even in just the action, like there's the fireplace sequence. The action set pieces I liked. I was just thinking about the fireplace. Like I liked that. That's a good That's comedic a good set piece. There's things happening. There's an actual set, you know, that's done practically. Like it's fun. I like that kind of stuff. But then it, I, I don't know. I guess I have to retract my previous statement that not as much of this made it into pop culture because. I have in my notes here that I just remembered like so much so much of this uh is in Uncharted 3 and then also I've heard yeah. the it belongs in a museum line probably from friends or something I don't remember where I've heard that but that definitely was something before and it's not even just like oh yeah the lines in the film so it's not a good line anymore cuz I heard it or something it was like in the context of the film it happens like <laughs> I don't know 
a minute and a half after the flashback where he said it the first time. So I was just like, man, it, in terms of like callbacks or reincorporation, that's, it just seems so lazy and cheap. But I will give credit to the X marks the spot or never marks the spot reincorporation. That's a good one. Because that one was actually kind of done in a clever way. It was like, oh, Roman numeral 10X, X does mark the spot. You know, he's like, oh, this is the exception sort of thing like that. I wasn't expecting that as much, you know. It wasn't so quickly after he said it the first time where I was like, what what the fuck? Like, you know, where it's no longer reincorporation. It was like, oh, okay, enough time has passed. It was like 15 minutes at least or something. And it was actually a part of what was driving the narrative forward anyway instead of just the, you know, a line that you can meme, you know? Yeah, there's so many references in here that I really got a kick out of. Yeah, I I, I think... Overall, this one probably has the weakest action of the trilogy to me mm-hmm. uh, compared to the first two. Because mm. I, I, I can't really think of any throwaway action scenes from the first two, but I'm not mad about the motorcycle chase in this movie with the like jousting bit. It, it, it's, it doesn't feel like the the third you know stage of a story. It's mm-hmm. not like topping what came before. I don't mm. know if it's too much to ask for, but... Where it does make up, though, is in the humor. You said that Sean Connery, I think, really works with Harrison Ford, and like the scene with the the plane and the birds, and that there's a lot going on with that, and the way they make it work, and the the dynamic he has with, you know, like the just as, they're really good at establishing characters in the Indiana Jones universe. Like when in the opening of the film with the the young indie scene where he goes into his dad and like his dad forces him to count to twenty, but then stops him and forces him to count in Greek. There's a lot of like filling in the lines with the characters from just such a simple interaction. It establishes mm-hmm. everything you need to know about the guy really well. And yeah, I really like his arc. I, I like the story of the movie. I like the the places they go. I, I do like the, the the boat set piece and the the practical set they made. For I the, love that when Indy has him held up again. That was yeah. A, I, I, I'd love to see fucking how they, intense. Yeah, yeah. The that that's an example where the practicality adds so much. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to no, about the fourth one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, me too. That was from his like experience with like. Uh, jaws is like doing these underwater like sort of mechanical or like partially in water mechanical set pieces yeah like that was super intense i love how the the boat was like falling apart as it was being pushed into it yeah and yeah just so much to think about in terms of like how they would have filmed that how they would have built it you know i probably have like a pretty good idea of how it was done but it's still super super cool and effective and like you don't yeah, see anything yeah. like that today in, in terms of like something where it's like it looks like the actors are actually in danger right there, <laughs> you know. And it was like a yeah. like it was a long enough shot where you could see the action was still happening. The boat was crumbling. They are moving towards it. It wasn't just done through cuts. The actor is there. You can see yeah. Harrison Ford. So yeah, super effective. I that that's one of my favorite moments for sure. Like one of the best set pieces. Mm-hmm. Whereas another snag I have against the movie is one of the most aged pieces of effects work is the the blimp sequence and the the plane uh, dogfight to me mm-hmm. um i felt the effects were pretty shoddy and aged um 
I guess it would have looked great when I was watching this on a on like a VHS and the screen was all blurry, but now it's all like up res. Well, now you and... can watch it on your fucking phone. Yeah, yeah. I felt that was the only time I was pulled out of the <laughs> the aged nature of the, the the effects work of some of it because those first two I think are really really solid. But and most mm-hmm. of the third one actually, in terms of just the commitment to that that look. But obviously, blimps they they couldn't really get a real blimp. There are only like twenty in the world. And... It's so bizarre because when i was skipping through the films to fact check the way the music was used i was noticing a lot more green screen in the second film that i had remembered i was like holy shit i just didn't notice like most of this while i was watching it because i was so into it and it flows so well and it's edited so well and also i think it has a good amount to do with like the lighting conditions for each time that they used a green screen. Cause yeah. in the second film, a lot of it is used in like really dark kind of environments and perhaps that allows it to, you know, the background and the foreground to like more convincingly blend and feel like they're a part of the same environment. Whereas in this film, the third movie, so much of it was done like broad daylight daytime. And so like this huge contrast of like, how the foreground and background are lit and it pops out way too much where all I'm thinking now is like, damn, you could have had like a backlit projector and it probably would have looked better than doing a green screen for like these scenes. And there's so Mm -hmm. much of it in the third movie. And yeah, that's what's really weird about it is like there was a lot of it in the second movie too, but I just didn't notice it until I was skimming through it out of context. It just worked better. I don't know what happened. I like that motorcycle chase a lot. It has some good moments in there, I think. When he shoves the pole in the guy's wheel and it flies up. Like, I think that's a great moment. That is cool. Yeah. I liked that in concept. I don't have much issue with the action. I guess I understand the criticism with the effects. But yeah, that doesn't really... It didn't really bother me in this film. That was a particular moment, the motorcycle thing, where I felt like there was one shot that was missing. Where it was like, the action, like, I could understand what was happening action-wise after thinking about it for like a few seconds after but i didn't immediately understand it there should have been like a shot of the front tire hitting the ground is how i felt it just felt like there was a shot missing in terms of like how to mm. show that i okay. liked it in concept though i liked the idea yeah sure i mean who knows they might have had that shot and it didn't work in editing yeah, maybe feel too slow i mean who knows yeah um but yeah uh, action is not really i have my criticism with this movie <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah it would just be mainly that it does feel a bit sanitized compared to the other two. I, 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 I you know, I said I, I said it's good that this movie isn't as dark or as violent, but at the same time, I do kind of miss it. I do kind of miss the violence and the, the darkness. The film is maybe a little too uh, friendly, a little too not trying to be Temple of Doom. That's almost what it felt like. Like, yeah. It feels like an apology. This movie is going to try as hard as it can to not be... Yeah, I mean, that's what Spielberg even said. Like, this movie's an apology. Like, we're really not going to be Temple of Doom. He literally said that? Uh, I love that whole blimp scene. I understand the effects, like, when they're they're on the plane or, like, some of the shots of the blimp. Um, But I just like that whole set piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the green screen took me out of it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I understand that. But there's green screen in all three of these films that took me out of it. As well. I, just this one particularly, though. <laughs> like, yeah. The way it was used was so obvious. Yeah, and... like the, the first film has green screen, too. That's like, man, that's bad. Uh, you know, it, maybe it's the best they could have done at the time. Yeah, again, who knows? Like, you try to put yourself in that state of mind. Uh, all I can say is, like, watching it the first time or the past few times, it didn't really take me out of it at all. Like, I was totally fine with it. 
And, you know, th- those two actors really, really carry this whole fucking movie. Like, their dynamic is so yeah. great. I love watching them together. And this is another film that really flew by for me. Uh, by the time it was over, I'm like, wow, that's it? We're at the Holy Grail already? Like, and, uh, you know, the end is kind of similar. Like, it reminded me of Monty Python a little. I think that's what he, Spielberg was trying to avoid. <laughs> like, the guy, you know, the guy who's like the, who keeps track of like all the Holy Grails or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, the night. And I do think that's a really iconic scene as well. Like, picking out the Holy Grail. There's all these fancy cups and, yeah. you know, the, the bad guy picks the golden one and he dies. And then Indiana well, Jones yeah. picks like the shittiest looking cup and that's the one. I love that idea. I, I feel like that's a very, uh, popular kind of thing that's made it into pop culture as well just mm-hmm. that yeah like i was even playing um it's like a jackbox what the hell is the name of that game jackbox game yes yeah. and there's like a horror game uh, where yeah you know the you gotta pick the chalices floor? yeah, yeah something like that you know you put poison no, in one of the chalices trivia it's all murder the different party. Like indiana jones chalices yeah yeah trivia that's murder party yeah that's it yeah it's like all these little things that are referenced in in culture i'm like yeah that's that is a great moment it's really well done i feel it's a bit better to go after like a christian religion like that kind of stuff instead of like india like that's a bit insensitive like all the like child slaves and like the you know sacrificing to the gods i'm like that's a little yeah (laughs) it's funny but like that's so insensitive and this is like you know it's more focused Mm. on a christian like western ideology western religion and uh mm. history artifacts Offend i found me, that Daddy. more <laughs> i found that more palatable it was, it was so much better for me to watch like i don't feel guilty watching this this is actually like just fun like i'm really having a great time watching it yeah there's no moment that rips you out in the same there's way there's none of that shit <laughs> yeah yeah and i would give this film a lot of credit for that Spielberg at least learned his lesson somewhat. It's hilarious. He doesn't like Temple of Doom. I it's it's the best one for me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. What you said about the music, yeah, I mean you're totally right. But also, yeah. I feel this film has a great score as well. I feel it's used really well, especially in the action scenes. I skimmed through this one. I couldn't find a single inappropriate usage of the main theme for for sure. Okay, that's good. They used it like I think it, they just used it once at the end. So, yeah, yeah you know, my reasons really thinking for not connecting it, with this one. That's are... good different yeah, same. Mm-hmm. i would say yeah my main criticism is that it's way toned down in terms of some of the violence and some of the you know the darker elements that really made indiana jones the first the first two like really powerful maybe yeah like, really intense yeah there's just so much more comedy involved like the we haven't mentioned the marcus brody character he's like a bumbling like sidekick <laughs> to indy he doesn't do anything but, yeah he doesn't do anything and i find him quite endearing for that like when indy like bigs him up saying that he's got the book and you're never gonna find him he's like an elite guy and then it like smash cuts to him mm-hmm. like bumbling through the streets like you can't find anything i, f- I found that very charming yeah, that's the other appearance of that fat guy I was mentioning earlier, where mm. he like picks him up at the airport and he literally rescues him from the guys, the Nazis who are about to entrap him. And then he runs into a cart and then like, or he runs into a truck and then it just drives away with him in it. Like, oh fuck! Like he's such a moron. He mm-hmm. couldn't even do that. I feel like there's a lot of good comedic bits like that. You wanted to talk about the tank scene. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of different techniques going on there. You know, there's a uh, models used, like the tank falling off the cliff. There's a lot of really impressive horse work. Like, you know, there's just, once he yeah. actually, once he's on the tank and they're fighting, like, I feel like there's so much about that scene that is really exciting. That's probably my second favorite set piece in the whole trilogy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find the way it's the, the way it jumps from inside the tank to the outside of the tank, and how the different like characters are affecting each other in different action sequences, basically. But they're in like the mm-hmm. same vehicle. Like yeah. the guy in the tank's looking through. He's like looking at Indy through the the binoculars, and then Indy mm-hmm. like kicks it, and then that yeah. like <laughs> tips him over. So then his dad has a chance to escape. It's 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 the kind of thing we've been talking about with the escalation of action and does it really well like when he gets caught on the gun and he's being dragged up against the side of the edge there's it is a really good sequence that one mm-hmm. i just want to go back to the that fat guy i was talking about okay. <laughs> his name is that character's name is sala he's in raiders of the lost ark and he's also in uh, last crusade he's played by john rice davies i guess that's how you say his name john rice davies yeah. correct me if i'm wrong please guys in the comments it's Cayula. <laughs> <laughs> Luca Guadagnino. Uh, he also, this actor also plays Gimli. That's what I wanted to mention. Gimli in Lord of the Rings, yeah. which when I learned that, I was like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, he's a very accomplished actor. He's played a lot of different things. Uh, so it was cool that he was in Lord of the Rings as well. I, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I like that he comes back. Yeah, go back go back to the set piece, the action. Yeah, I love the, uh, <laughs> I love the like conveyor belt logic element to it you know oh that's great it's a very long sequence but it works better because it's long because there's a lot you can do with it and i like that they essentially exhausted like you know how like a mr bean sketch is kind of written where it's like okay you got one idea what's all the crazy shit that rowan atkinson can be doing with (laughs) this one idea and that's how i felt like they kind of approached the tank scene you know you had harrison ford like on the side of it about to be like crushed off and like the not just the conveyor belt where he has to like whip his dad's ankle and it's moving like that alone isn't as effective without the previous shot of the dude getting run over in the first place so it's like a nice little hint of like the potential danger you know it's like oh you just saw it happen to this guy it could happen to indy's dad I like that. It's the same logic that applies to, like, you know, if you're doing a horror movie, you want to see a kill at the beginning. Otherwise, you're not scared. So, yeah, that was done effectively. It was really well-designed and well-executed sequence throughout. I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did a lot of his own stunts, too. That's what it looked like. A lot of great stunt work. I would like to know exactly how many, Mm -hmm. because there's some moments where I'm like, I would be surprised if it wasn't a stuntman, but, you know, you never know, because... You don't see his face in some shots. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of rats in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. The rats. Yeah, didn't they have to breed yeah. like thousands of them specifically for the movie? They like stepped on one for a second. Yeah, yeah. They had rat insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I hope the rats were okay. But yeah, that was pretty <laughs> impressive. Like all the fucking rats. I was like, holy shit. It's really scary shit. What do you think they did with them once the shoot was over? Yeah. Food? I don't know. <laughs> cat food? Yeah, probably. <laughs> just, just throw one cat in there. Just let wait. them loose. <laughs> they just open the doors and just let them run out the warehouse. Just toss them mm-hmm. into the poor neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that actor who played uh, Marcus Brody as well, he um he had HIV at the time. Fuck. Like right before the, the film started shooting. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I learned about that, but, you know, mm. he was, you know, it was, it was a struggle a bit for him to be on set, but, you know, he finished the role, and yeah, I thought he was quite good in the movie. I'm glad you mentioned it, Alex, because, yeah, he's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing, the the bumbling nature of him. Yeah. I feel it works better than uh, 
the other girl in Temple of Doom. <laughs> I don't know. She was just annoying. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, and this one just worked a bit better. I like that Indiana Jones basically has to carry the entire movie like everyone else. Like, everyone else is coming after him or they're useless. And he's the one who has to save the day. It works better in this context, yeah. I forgot to mention it in the first movie, but he has the line where he direct, directly acknowledges that he doesn't know what he's doing and he's just making it up as he goes along. And that just <laughs> is, that is his character. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that so much. Yeah, I do too. He's got a very exciting life, aside from being a teacher, yeah. And it, they go back to his uh, students again in this one. Like, you see him being a teacher again. Yeah, And, and I thought back. that was good as well. Yeah, good callback. You know, I guess a lot of this film, like, stems if you like the first film or not or yeah, if you like yeah. those references because i really like the callbacks and all that stuff i think it's clever and i feel like in the context of this film it works really well i agree yeah i don't know if it was as common to do it at that time but actually temple of doom does have some callbacks too because there's this scene where right before the bridge scene uh there's like the two swordsmen and indiana jones of course wants to shoot them like he did the last time and uh Raiders of the Lost Ark, but he doesn't have his gun True. this time, so he has to fight them. Like that was a great callback too. I feel all of these films have callbacks to each other. This one definitely has the most callbacks to Raiders of the Lost Ark, though. There's like ten in the first five minutes. Yeah, these movies feel the most like together. <laughs> Temple of Doom feels like like it's not even part of these. It's so separate. It's yeah, the interesting child. Sure. Again, <laughs> going back to Nazis again, and very yeah. similar tone. Similar setting. I don't know, because on the subject of callbacks, within the flashback of, like, you know, young indie, the amount of, I guess, notable character traits of indie that they felt they had to explain was a bit much for me, in a way where it's like, <laughs> yeah, if, I, if we true. were all watching a sequel or, a, or whatever for, like, a film that we love today, if we saw an opening scene where they're like, and this is why he wears a hat. And this is why he's scared of snakes. And this is why his name is Indy. Like, haven't we criticized that exact same kind of thing? Like, didn't they do that with one of the Star Wars movies where it's like, Obi-Wan, what was his fucking... Mm-hmm. Like, they was like, oh, we just have to explain oh, his name. They did it with Han Solo. Yeah, Solo, yeah. Like, yeah, Solo, blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, it's, it's a little bit cringe for me. <laughs> I feel like these are going for very different tones. This film is very over the top and campy. I, I like that stuff. I think it's funny. Yeah. It's not as like explicitly campy as the second one. In Solo, it doesn't work because that movie looks like a war film. It just looks so brown and disgusting. That film is horribly unfunny and just boring. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's going for something way more lighter and and, and fun and goofy. Like like what the right the way you enjoyed Temple of Doom for being really goofy. Yeah. Even though it's like super violent over the top. Like I love that shit too. But I really like I like that ex- they explain everything in this over the top way. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't, and it's not even these like these character traits are that important. Like it's just his hat. They're just the only things you could note. Yeah, about it's, the it's character, all you really. have yeah. for Indiana Jones, right? Because yeah, there's really nothing to him. He's yeah. a guy who's a teacher, and then he goes out and, and finds treasure with yeah. a hat and a whip. And it feels like this trilogy is so perfectly wrapped up. I feel like I know everything I need to know about Indiana Jones, even where he got yeah. the whip and even where he got the hat, like all that stuff. <laughs> I like having a conclusion, all that. Every question mark. Like, I guess that shit doesn't matter, but it's funny. Like, <laughs> I like learning all that stuff. Every single thing that's defined his entire adult existence culminated within a five <laughs> minute span. 
Whereas, like, yeah. like in one sequence, he's like, "Oh fuck, these are just everything that's gonna that it's gonna define me for the rest of my life." Scared of snakes, whip hat. Like, I found all all this shit in like five minutes. I find it funny that it's like he gets he's like so not scared of snakes. Like at the very beginning, where he's like, "See, just it's just a snake," and just like picks one up. And then because he like fell into snakes, it's like, damn, like instantly terrified of snakes forever but it's like he's not scared a lot he fell into like the lion thing too i don't know he's, he doesn't have a lion phobia as far as we know <laughs> that lion seemed a bit more intimidating than the fucking snakes but yeah true mm. whatever uh, i like the opening of the movie too so i just wanted to mention the opening shot uh, mm-hmm. where it's like the paramount logo and then it fades into the rock face like i thought that was clever too i oh, yeah. I, I like that it was like a great little detail i think it's very memorable and only in this movie mm. I find the Mr. Bean comment really funny because I, I think it actually does summarize the Indiana Jones movies quite well. And, and not in an insulting way. I'm not trying to be insulting. I just mean... Of course. Me neither. I, th- I think the way they write the movies is they they come up with a concept of MacGuffin. It's all about the MacGuffin. It's like, what's the MacGuffin for this one? It's is it, it's the Holy Grail for this one. It's the Ark. It's it's why the fourth one stumbles so much and why they've struggled to continue it. It's, it's so much about what's the setting? What has this character done so far? What are the set pieces we can think up of that to do with the the MacGuffins that we've set in place, and how do we fulfill that in a story? I think the trilogy is perfect for the character. It's stretched about as much as it can do. There's not much more you you can do. It feels very complete and suitable for what they're doing. I, I just need to get into Skull soon because it's driving me crazy <laughs> not being able to talk about. It. <laughs> yeah, he like turns into Craft Punk at the end of this movie. He cannot die anymore. <laughs> Well, that's one of his lines. He's like, did you know I cannot die? <laughs> Sorry, that was a little bit of a reference, but... Yeah, the whole uh, immortality thing was interesting. I love how immediately they solidify how fucking stupid the female lead is in this movie. <laughs> Don't cross the seal, but I want to... <laughs> and then it's like oh don't you're gonna i can't hold i'm i'm holding on to your one glove maybe if you want to live give me your other hand no and <laughs> just falls to her death okay i, I like the girl in this movie yeah she's a bit dumb uh, i mean yeah I, yeah i i don't know I, this film works for me it works so well i feel it's just as good as raiders maybe slightly better because just because that I don't know, the tone, everything about this movie. Like, I would show this one the most to people just because I feel it's the most watchable. It's just really fun. There's nothing, like, context-wise context you have to explain. Like, oh, yeah, if you're fine with, like, the child slavery and all that. <laughs> like, it's just, like, really fun. Like, yeah, there's some Nazis, but it's not nearly as over-the-top as the first one, I don't think. Yeah, the Hitler joke was kind of funny. The Hitler thing is, like, yeah. hilarious. Like, to be yeah. upset about that, like, come on. It's fucking, like, it's so stupid. It's so stupid, that scene. It's, so <laughs> it's fun. I love that moment. It was really funny. Um, overall, I think this is, like, the strongest one i guess it's interesting we all have a different favorite right i guess that says yeah. a lot about this trilogy you know adam's temple of doom alex yours is raiders and then mine's last crusade it shows like which one like they, they all have elements that work for certain people and yeah i don't mm-hmm. know they cater to different things don't they yeah 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 I, I really like this trilogy a lot i think it's an incredible piece of filmmaking like one of the most iconic pieces of of art like ever it's really impactful. I love all three of these movies a lot. Yeah, I adore the trilogy. I mean, they're not deep movies. You said it earlier. They, they are going for the pulpy fun, and the, and the action no. is what is important. 
I feel like for what they are, it's as good as you can do. Like these are really mm-hmm. great, really exactly. exciting, high production value, lots of practical stunts and sets and really inspired settings. Like you said, it feels like they really think out the action sequences, almost a way a comedian would think out like his comedy bit or like a yeah. skit, like a comedy skit. Yeah. It's like really, there's, there's moments that are really funny within the action scenes because they're so like clever. Like the music would cut off, dun, 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 and he'd like fall off and hang off the side of the tank and you know, like, like yeah. oh shit. It, it feels like a lot of action scenes now like don't have that. It just feels like a bunch of shooting or it's just too like dull. Spielberg really nails like the peaks and valleys of the action where there's a moment that's funny and then there's a moment that's really intense and then there's like a great like character moment like it, someone says a line to someone else that's funny and it feels organic in that moment. I don't know how he does it. it it's really well done. I love these yeah. movies. Sorry to keep saying it. But... Yeah, no, I I just like the just going off the balancing act the movie goes through. I, I do like the the balance of the action scenes and then sneaking in the like the trials where he's trying to he's, he's using his brain to solve problems he's not just about punching he does a lot of punching but <laughs> he's a dork at the end of the day i love that he is he's like a historian at heart and he and he's he gets giddy at the idea of history yeah like unlike james bond where it's like a spy and everyone's like wants to be him and it's like glorifying something not that relatable whereas indy's so pure in what he's going for i think mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people connect to he's a teacher he likes history yeah it belongs in a museum. We could all like history. Uh, yeah, Last Crusade, if I was going to rate it, I don't know about you guys, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. I'm just a smidge under. I'd give this the same as Temple of Doom, I think. A four cool. star for me. Yeah, they both have kind of what the other one doesn't for me, whereas the comedy and the tone's really consistent in the third movie, but the action isn't quite what I get from the second movie, so I feel they're about on par. Yeah. Love the set pieces. Except the ones with really shitty green screen, of which there are quite a few. (laughs) Plot-wise, take it or leave it. It was like the first movie, but different also at the same time. All right. Five out of ten. Sorry, everybody. I like the way all three of these films wrap up, too, when it comes to the artifact. Like, it's very different. Like, in the first film, they put it in a museum or some kind of Area 51 kind of place. Actually, it is Area 51. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull confirms it. Then the second film, he returns the stone back to the village. And, you know, they live peacefully. Like, oh, we have our stone back. We're going to grow crops and water. And then this film, uh, you know, they let the Holy Grail go. They let go of eternal life. And I feel like that was a great character moment, too. Like, Sean Connery is the one, actually, who says, give it up, even though he's been chasing his whole life, like, trying to find this thing. Yeah. Um. I guess more for him was, like, he got to at least see it and meet the guy, you know, the, the guy who looks like Monty Python, <laughs> the Monty <laughs> Python character. Yeah. It also provides a good end for the villain. I just like that all three of these films wrap it up differently, and it makes it clear that Indiana Jones is not the kind of guy who just wants the power. He just wants to, he wants the adventure. And he'll figure it out after. <laughs> I don't know. When three has the kind of the huge stakes of the well, it's the similar stakes of the first movie where the Nazis will like <laughs> destroy the world if they get hold of the power. So mm, yeah, that's that's true as well. Yeah, the stakes are pretty high. They were gonna like make their army invincible, right? <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> that's pretty messed up. Uh, quite good. Glad we all liked Last Crusade. Uh, you ready to shit on? The fourth film a little? <laughs> um, ready. Ready spaghetti. So, I guess, like, how many fucking years later? Like, 20, 30 years later? Yeah, like, I don't I even know. Just about like 2008. 
Oh my fucking god! Two thousand eight years later, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So it's Cold War this time. He's dealing with uh, you know, communists and whatever. He's dealing with like a Vietnam protests or some shit. <laughs> no, not Vietnam. I'm sorry. Uh, there's like protests going on about communism or something. And basically, Indiana Jones has <laughs> to. He finds a, a crystal skull in Area 51 because Kate Blanchett forced him to. And the crystal skull is some kind of alien that is going to lead them to a UFO that will give them some kind of uh, knowledge or power to uh, tel- use telekinesis to manipulate people's thoughts. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not sure how they could utilize this to like, do anything you know <laughs> like like i'm not sure she says what it she, very ominously i guess she wants infinite knowledge or something kate blanchett and i don't know this this film just confuses well, me she was gonna like turn her enemies into allies without them realizing it or something yeah this film very it just confuses me there's so many elements and i don't even think this is terrible but there's just a lot about it that's just like why did they do that there's even a moment that i literally don't even understand no matter how many times i see it where like shia LaBeouf, and Harrison Ford are in the car. They're like in a van, like held captive. They beat a guy up. They take his knife and they're trying to cut themselves loose. And then there's like this rip sound effect. And I'm like, so, so did he like rip his pants or did the knife like go in his pants? Like, I still don't understand what the fuck that scene was. Like, I still don't like. I think that was the intention was that he like cut through his pants. Yeah, but that wasn't funny. It was like, I'm like, did he cut through his jacket? Like, they didn't even show it. It was just confusing, and there's so many elements of this movie. The fact that they included aliens, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, why did they go this route? I get you want to take some risks, but there's a lot of there's a lot about this movie that I just didn't enjoy. It's just very didn't feel like Indiana Jones. This is the worst one for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand the it was aliens criticism. Like, I have issues with how they used it. And how much they treated it like, oh, yeah, we're just going to blue ball you until it's a reveal and this is what the reveal is. Like, that's stupid. But Aliens, them just being in the movie, I hear that criticism a lot. I don't really understand because, like, I don't know. Didn't we have a fucking dude waiting 700 years in a cave to give people immortality in the previous Mm -hmm. film? Like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like that out there comparatively. It's the implementation. It's like leaning towards science fiction, though, with this. And the actual, I think it's more the way it was executed. Like, if we hadn't actually seen the aliens, and if it was just a crystal skull that kind of manipulated people, or you could use it to kind of control a population, I'd be like, wow, okay, that's interesting. But, you know, they really go all in with the alien route. There's, like, UFOs and, like, all kinds yeah. of crazy shit. I'm like, this doesn't, it just doesn't work. For the like, last it, bit. Yeah, it's just silly. Like, I don't know. It's not silly in a way that I liked. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that was this generation's version of like attempted spectacle whereas like in 2008 or whatever it was just the wide shot of the boulders crumbling and it's all cg and it's like whoa this is such a big spaceship and it's stupid but like i don't know i feel like that was their intent was just like how can we make something that's like so epic right yeah which is i mean like that's what that those are things that the first three films had in mind a lot of it was just pure spectacle it's just there was a different acceptance of like what would be mainstream spectacle, I guess. And Steven Spielberg very much changed how he made movies, mm-hmm. not for the better. 
And I mean, you could see that transition when he just how terribly he was using green screen shit in the third movie. I guess. <laughs> yeah. but like, There's a lot of really bad yeah. CGI in this movie. <laughs> it's not. It's not a good movie mm-hmm. for sure. Did you like the action sequences, Alex? Did you find them exciting and realistic looking? That that's the thing. the The action scenes are Indiana Jones, and when you're not like that, we, we've what have we talked about this last nearly two hours? Just the commitment to, and the dedication to the action and the practical nature of it. And then you get to Crystal Skull. It's just a bunch of <laughs> like really forgettable, poorly executed action sequences. The one that jumps into my head in particular is the whole kind of jungle sequence with that machine that's cutting down trees. And there's this kind of car chase scene where Mutt winds up sword fighting on a, on a car. They're trying to create a scene that's got the same elements at play that the the plane scene from raiders has mm-hmm. um but in the execution of it in the way the 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 just the awful like green screen stuff the the visual effects work it, yeah, it looks terrible it looks so so aged so bad and it, and it, it is just flexing the visual effects of the time but this is such a early 2000s like flexing cg thing where all these yeah. big big movies from that time were trying to push the boundaries of cg and yeah it would have been good in 2008 but the problem is <laughs> unlike those original movies it, it gets worse with time because the technology mm-hmm. improves so quickly yeah it's not like a couple of shots of green screen yeah, like the other films. This is like whole sequences with tons of CGI, Shia LaBeouf swinging with monkeys. and yeah. No I restraint. I just thought it looked terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I just couldn't get into it at all. It reminded me more of King Kong 2005 than it did of Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I kept thinking about that too. King Kong had a character in that film at least, you know. This film, yeah, I couldn't get into the action. And I was really trying. Like that that jungle yeah. scene you're talking about. I guess at first I liked it once they were like just driving the car. And I guess they shoot a rocket at like the – just like this ridiculous contraption that's cutting down the forest. Like I've never <laughs> fucking seen anything like that before in my life. And it's just like going – and then they shoot it. And then like the blade comes out and like – smashes the car i'm like like, oh that was cool but then like you said how they explore every different way the action scene can go they go too far with it they try to use cgi like shia labeouf's yeah flip in between like cars and fencing and he's like his nuts are getting hit by cgi like twigs and it's just so fucking (sighs) dumb it's so overdone this is too much going on you can't even like comprehend what the hell is even supposed to be happening and that's like toward the second or third act of the film. That for me, that's when it really falls apart. Uh, I guess yeah. let's let's like try to stick to like the beginning. They go to Area Fifty One, where you know the the Ark of the Covenant is, and Kate Blanchett like kidnaps Indiana Jones and his friend that's played by the sexy beast guy, uh, Ray Winstone. Mm. And yeah, and then they like find the alien carcass. They immediately set up the aliens, and I was like, oh, really? And then from there, they it just becomes dumb action. You know, like, and you know Harrison Ford, he's fucking old. I'm sorry, like he's old. Uh, in the first three films, he's a dashing, handsome guy. I'm like, wow, I really want to be this guy when I grow up. He's fucking yeah. cool. He's having sex with all these women. It's like now he's like with this old woman, and they get married. I'm like, this is fucking lame. I'm sorry, this is lame. I don't want to see this in an Indiana Jones film. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I so want funny. to be like so much of the appeal of Indiana Jones, like Alex said, is you want to be him. You want yeah. to impose yourself. You want to place yourself on top of him. Like, look at this handsome Very guy, James Bondy, going all over the <laughs> yeah, like James Bond, like going all over the world 
world, meeting all these women, like doing all this yeah. crazy shit. Getting and them like, to kiss your boo-boos. What's, what's the appeal? Yeah. <laughs> Even that's like better than this movie. Like, what are they doing in this movie? They're just fucking hanging out, talking about their son, talking about Oxley. Like, like, what the hell was all that? They're like, going to college. Like, maybe that character of Oxley would have meant something if I had known him before. But the second we're introduced to him, he's like a loon. He's like totally out. Like, this, this crystal skull yeah. is like totally destroyed it has his the clumsiest brain. plot in terms of <laughs> yeah. the way they get the story in motion. Because the plot is basically another adventurer has already done all these things. But now Indy has to do it. But the guy who did it first has amnesia. So he can't remember how he did it. <laughs> yeah. And then Ray Winstone's character. Oh, my God. The constant turn coat like he actually works for the he actually works for the russians oh no he actually works for the cia oh no he actually works for you know you don't even know a triple and that agent was an element that was supposed to be good i'm like this sucks like i don't know what's going on with this character it's great yeah. casting i like the idea for the character but they do nothing with it that triple cross thing i guess they thought that was a like a clever reveal but it, it just seems so clumsy in a film that's already got this weird the, the plot doesn't flow nearly as nicely it seems like overly convoluted in the way they no. jump around and the way uh mutt gets introduced into the story at a certain point where he's like indy's on a train and he comes up on his motorbike and gets him into the story um this is the thing about this movie it's not it's not hopeless there are plenty of things i actually quite like about it i like the opening of the movie with the the kind of homage to George Lucas's street racing thing that he loves. I, I, I like the idea of the opening being set in Area 51 with the with the warehouse. I think that's a cool place to to jump back into the story. And I even like the setting an action sequence in there is is, an, is also a good idea to me with the mm -hmm. you don't know him thing and the cars crashing. I think that's a cool way to reintroduce the character. Yeah, well, it was a callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Where they put the cover. Yeah, it, so I did think it was good in that way. We haven't talked about the fridge thing, and I mean, it's been harped on. Um, again, another idea that I don't mind in premise, Indy stumbling across like a, one of those nuke sites that's about to go off. It's like, it's, it's fun imagery. It's a, it's a, and yeah, it fits it in fun. with the kind of Roswell. Yeah. yeah the, the, you know, the Cold War stuff, the nuke stuff. I like all that, but it's the resolution to it. It's a good idea, but it's where they go with it. The, the fridge thing and him flying miles in the air and going to the extra effort of showing the fridge bouncing like down uh, like the, the hill and then showing the car. It, it looks bad CG wise. It does look bad. Yeah. I think that was my issue with it. I don't know. But like, didn't they fucking like fall out of a fucking airplane with a dinghy and like uh, in another movie? Like, yeah, I don't I know. Kind of stupid as well. Yeah, that's the movie you like. That's Temple of Doom. I, I, I criticized that movie for it too. Okay. I thought that was silly as hell. Yeah, I don't like uh, that in that movie either. There's silly. I, I don't know. It was more the. It was definitely the visual effects that bothered me. I would never criticize these movies too much for being silly. I mean, they're definitely supposed to be silly. Yeah. That moment should have killed him. That moment was like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it is know. an execution thing. Maybe if maybe if it just it didn't show the the fridge like flying miles. Through <laughs> yeah. The air no. And it was like these loud bangs. It is just pushing it a bit too far. There is such a delicate hmm. balance with these kind of pulpy movies where like it's. Is, is razor thin the the edge of the your your belief in in what's going on and that fridge thing just destroys it for me yeah that's so weird for me a lot of people say it though so yeah i, I i'm watching it I'm, I'm kind of enjoying it but there's something about that fridge thing where it because it, it doesn't even feel like that necessary and they seem so proud of it after the moment they keep saying indy keeps quipping about how he survived the fridge yeah i, su I survived the nuclear blast well so. yeah it's like a gag really 
Yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to be taken seriously. That that's clear, but yeah, this is a very silly moment. Yeah. I will say though, although we're criticizing the opening and and like all this stuff at the beginning, I do think the first act, like the first hour of this film, mostly was solid. Like I thought it that's definitely the best part of the film. Like I was into the mystery. I was like, okay, there's there's some kind of alien thing. We didn't quite see the UFOs yet. It wasn't getting too silly. We still like somewhat practical stuff. Like I like the opening of the the opening action scene where like Indiana Jones is using his whip and then he falls onto the car. He's like, "Damn, I thought that was closer." It's kind of showing he lost his edge yeah. a bit. Like I'm like, okay, so they're acknowledging he's a little old. Like he's a little, you know, not as into it as he used to be. There's some good choreography. Like I really like the shot where he jumps. He's fighting the Russian guy, and he jumps off and he like grabs a chain and kicks him through a window. I'm like, oh, that was a really cool shot. Lots, lots of good stunt work. Then it gets into like uh, him teaching again, and he meets Mutt. And there's like the great—I think it's a great action scene where he's on like the bike and uh, yeah, that and was fun. They're going through the library. Yeah, that was really fun. It's a lot of practical stuff. That was, yeah, and it was very simple. It was very simple. Like, wow, it's going back to the like the trademark of this series. Like, just practical action. Like, really well done. You get a good sense of the period in that scene as well. Like, that's why I mentioned the protests and all that stuff. Like. It felt like they utilized every, like, route they could go with that scene in a really clever way. And then, like, once they get into the jungle and all that shit, it becomes really CGI heavy. It really gets into the alien stuff. There's too many characters. Like, I like Kate Blanchett in the film, but it's just so unclear what she's trying to do. Like, she has this mm-hmm. skull. She wants to, she wants some kind of mind control over people. I get it's, I get it's some kind of, like, Red Scare allegory. <laughs> like, wanting to control people's minds mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. making people paranoid or something I, I guess that's what they're going for yeah. but it's just so it's so weird it's so confusing how it's presented yeah and it's not clear like these are stupid adventure movies i feel like the first three are very clear in how they're presenting these things and this one's just goofy i don't know the first three films i didn't give a single fuck about like the overarching goals <laughs> i really the <laughs> fucking cup or whatever you know, okay like, this is like a single not giving a single fuck but yeah like those felt organic like the ark of the covenant the the stone and temple of doom they were just irrelevant to me i was just there for like the action set pieces the holy grail like i don't know those didn't distract me i'm like these things have history these things are real mm. Like, they had just, like, paintings. They've been written about for decades. They have real religious significance. And this is, like, a stupid alien skull. Okay, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, this is, like, a dumb, like, there's no history of this fucking yeah. thing. It's stupid. It's just stupid. Like, they just pulled this out of their ass. It's an Area 51. Like, okay. Like, it's just so, I don't know. I, I really wasn't digging it. it. Yeah, I think it is the lack of mystery. I think they were probably trying to think about, like, what kind of set pieces and what kind of, like, plot devices they could have given the time period right because like this is set you know decades after the first film so they're you know they have greasers and all that shit yeah and so that i think that's that was like their priority in terms of like okay we're gonna do indie but like we're gonna really capture the time period and so you have the nuclear tests sites and you know area 51 i think i think that's where it came from and i'm not trying to say it worked well but i you know i i feel like that can at least be rationalized in terms of like what they were trying to do 
Like it, it's mm-hmm. not just like random nonsense, at least. And you know, Roswell, like the fake like conspiracy that the UFO crashed, that was in like the 40s. That's like the late 40s that happened, which is around the time Indiana Jones is set, like the first three. So I don't know why they just didn't go back to that setting. Or, you know, if you're going to go 60s, do something else. Don't do the alien thing. They were stuck with the age. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is the... Well, no, the first indie film was like the 30s. Oh, yeah? Well, well, Nazis were like the 40s, right? 30s, 40s. I thought I read on the wiki, unless that was just... Ah, eh, whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother to fact check. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. But, I mean, I, I think it it's very illuminating that even Steven Spielberg himself admitted that he never liked the MacGuffin of the movie. And that's the director of the movie in Empire Magazine <laughs> in, in October 2011. He said... It was George Lucas's idea, and Spielberg only put it in the movie because of his friendship with Lucas. He said in the interview, I'm loyal to my best friend. When he writes a story he believes in, even if I don't believe in it, I'm going to shoot the movie the way George envisaged it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, clearly your heart's not going to be in it if you don't if you don't agree with the story and the angle that it's coming from. I, I just find that so strange. It's just loyalty to your friend. <laughs> like, that's all, <laughs> that's all that's keeping him going. Another illuminating point is this one. Harrison Ford was adamant that he got to wield Indiana's famous whip. Paramount executives wanted the weapon to be computer-generated because of the new movie safety rules, but Ford branded the rule ridiculous. And this kind of goes back to this idea where the 80s movies, they are like time capsules. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not going to get action movies quite like that again. So getting this 2008 Indiana Jones movie, it feels torn between worlds. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel like it, it should exist, like it needed to exist. Like we said mm-hmm. earlier, the, the the story was over. You know, bringing yeah. back Marion's an, an okay idea for it, but we already had the ending. We, like it doesn't having him getting married at the end and teasing Mutt as if he's going to be the next indie. There's something not very satisfying about that. Psych. Yeah, because <laughs> that's another thing too. Even Shia LaBeouf publicly shit taught the movie that's and, funny which like ups- personally upset steven spielberg and harrison ford <laughs> called him a fucking idiot for publicly yeah. lambasting the movie well he was just plagiarizing somebody else shit talking the movie so whatever <laughs> oh yeah what do you say do, do you know exactly no he's just a known plagiarist he's a fucking jerk yeah he's a dumbass he sucks in this movie he's fucking yeah. terrible what's funny movie. like there are some movies that i think he's like pretty good like he was good in um pieces of a woman but there's still like every single movie even the ones that i think he's good in there's still like some scene or some moment where it's like you almost had a consistent accent and then you didn't every single movie i ever watch him in Mm -hmm. to me he seems like a guy who's passionate about his craft seems like he's a guy who's passionate about being a dipshit (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) like he wants to be a good actor um, and there's like moments in this where he's like fine. Like I like I actually like the scene a lot where the the get that greaser scene. Like when he's in the bar yeah, with Harrison Ford. Like that's a really good scene. I actually like that a lot. Most most part he's overacting. He's like playing it up too much. Too much. He doesn't have the charisma of Harrison Ford. Like there's no way you can even capture that level of like even Harrison Ford as a as an older man. He still has his moments in this that are really funny. I don't know. I don't know who else you could get Indiana Jones. I don't know who else you can get to play that character. There's such a bad scene in this movie that that bothers me so much every time. One it's scene. The, the, yeah, just one in particular. <laughs> and it's the it's, it's the sand scene where they're sinking in the sand. And, yeah, um, so they am. It looks like a, like a, a really bad soundstage. And mm-hmm. 
You don't say. It's like a based around this gag <laughs> where like a python thing comes in and and he's got to grab the python and the it's gag. It's the only rope. Yeah, and then this like fake ass snake Indy's holding onto, and it's like stretching and pulling. It, it's it doesn't. It looks work. so fake, and then they just throw it into like the forest. Like bye bye. Oh fuck that thing! That was yeah. terrible. And that sound design in that scene, like the bubbles and uh, yeah, you're right. It looks so fake. It's felt so <laughs> fake, and that scene is pointless. Like once they get yeah. out, they they get captured by the commies again, and that's the end of it. Like they just get, and it moves on to the next scene. Like that scene it was, was just so yeah. Gag. It was just it was to just to introduce snake, that Mutt was his son. That's that was oh, the yeah, point yeah. of the Sorry, scene. Right. Yeah. yeah, that was the only point of the scene. Part time. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we mentioned that as well. That's like a in the trailer they use a better take of it, and that's like, like it memed <laughs> the shit out of it. The the red letter media review mentions it, but literally when he said that, I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, I remember that. I remember that line in the trailer, and it was really cool. And then in the movie, they used like this part time. Like it's terrible. I'm like, why did they use that take? It sounds so bad. There's so many confusing choices. It makes that moment funny, at least. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even watch this movie seriously, you know, because there's so many parts that are like, it just takes me out of it. Like that, the fridge. Like CG ants, CG scorpions. It looks like you just brought a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, all the CGI animals really took me out of it. They use, uh, you know, the, those rats in, in Last Crusade. <laughs> oh, I was like, that, that got a genuine disgust out of me. I was like, oh. Yeah rats and now like movies now they wouldn't even do that of course like it's very cruel i guess you shouldn't do that to rats i mean whatever but they should use cgi rats now but you know removes kind of the impact i guess if the cgi rats look real i wouldn't mind but they look fake you know the not there's no rats in this movie the monkeys look fake the the ants look fake the gophers the The movie starts with a cgi gopher i'm like what the fuck is this (laughs) compare that to the opening of the other film i was getting like real uh g-force vibes but, <laughs> I was it saying, really what, it looked what, like what g-force mean? why was uh-huh. there such a commitment to that gopher thing because mm-hmm. it's a funny gag apparently and then again establishing the setting in a way that wasn't really organic to the story it was just like these teenagers <laughs> riding along what? these these like commies driving the car to the army base and it's like okay so what does this have to do with anything i get it setting up the setting i get the credit sequence but it's just not you know, like, like I'm not learning anything. This is such fluff. If I looked away from the TV for two minutes and looked back, I wouldn't get any less. I wouldn't get any less or more out of the story. It's the same shit. It's, yeah. I don't know. There's so much about this film that feels like it's just a waste. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like he wasn't, his heart wasn't really in this, Spielberg. Or Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. The first, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie, like, Harrison Ford looked like he was, like, falling asleep. Like, he kind of got into it at a certain point, but, like, it was so jarring watching, like, the first part of the film was like, holy shit, like, you... You're not even there, like, emotionally. (laughs) There's a quote here saying Spielberg did not shoot the movie in digital format, which his friends like George Lucas were doing at the time. And in his words, like, it was shot... It looks like it was shot three years after Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You'd never know there were 20 years between shooting. Lol. It's just not true, is it? Um, <laughs> curb your enthusiasm theme. I think the film looks really bad, even when it's not CGI heavy. Like the glowing and the. It just doesn't look good to me. I think it's the worst looking film. Yeah, it does. The glowing does look really annoying. The color palette. Yeah, it's just not is, necessary. Just dis- distracting. Um, Which is weird because, like, you can artificially create something in a computer, right? Why would you not want to match the color palettes of the original films, like, with how the green of the environment 
it's like such a different green <laughs> like than the other films right and that weird yellow glow shit like i don't why would you color it that way like you have to be consciously aware that you're doing it in a way that's not like the other films right i don't know i feel the real statement this film should have made is having practical action utilizing yeah. as much practical effects as possible because that's what made the first three work and that's what they were paying homage to the original you know uh the flash gordon kind of things that that kind of stuff to have it so cgi heavy i think that really took me out of it yeah and if they make another indiana jones film i believe they're planning one i hope they go more the route of you know get a younger actor and use practical action like have him do his own stunts i, I like the stunt work and i like the shooting i feel like it's not it's not that high of a bar really like you have the characters you have the setting like it just have some good action sequences that are really planned out and are practical Apparently, they are doing Indiana Jones 5, and Spielberg is not directing. Probably not. James Mangold, maybe? James Mangold is, yeah. yeah. Okay. I feel like Adam Driver would be a good choice as Indiana Jones, instead of getting Harrison Ford back, because he's so old. I'd rather be Adam Driver. Like, he seems like a cool guy. I feel as though Kate Blanchett's character should have been played by Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I guess you could swap him out. Yeah, that would have been better. I wasn't buying her the whole time, especially the accent, until this Swinton does really good, like, Russian accent stuff. Mm -hmm. so. I watched Doctor yeah. Strange recently. I'm like, oh, she's really good in that movie. She's great she's in everything. She's everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love her. yeah. She's, like, one of the strongest parts of that film. Kate Blanchett, I like her as an actor, but I thought her accent was, like, you will help us find it. Like, it, it was, was too, weird. <laughs> too much. Like, her character was kind of much. annoying throughout the movie. <laughs> Mm -hmm. well, there was no, nothing, no intrigue, really. There's no no fun dynamic. It was just mustache-twirling villain, I guess. Mm -hmm. Femme fatale. There's too many characters, you know? Like, Harrison Ford doesn't have many moments with just, like, one character. Like, he's with Mutt for a little while, and I'm like, oh, their dynamic could work. But then it's hijacked by Oxley, and then Marion comes in, and Kate Blanchett, and Ray Winstone. And it's like, all these fucking guys, like, Way and they much. all have their own yeah. scene. It's like, okay, I, I'm not, you know, there's no, there's nothing, I, I don't know. It's just nothing grabbing me about this film. How did you feel about Marion coming back and the way she's implemented? I mean, she's an, she's an old lady now. She was hot in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> but now she, she is devalued because she's not <laughs> hot to Ralph anymore. It, when you live in the vicarious entertainment, you know, whatever, you want to be a hot young guy with a hot young woman. <laughs> what's what's the point? What's the point of any of these? What's the point it's of like, movies It's just a reminder anymore. that you're going to get old and you're going to get married. <laughs> like, oh, wow, exciting. That's what I want to see in my adventure film. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> Fuck you. I want to watch them have fun. Like, it's not, that's not fun. It's just not fun. I'm sorry. You didn't like Uncharted 4? That, that was actually a story yeah. that was about a man like coming to terms with like the golden days are gone and maybe kind of having a midlife crisis you know that's like a real thing that guys go through mm -hmm. and this film he wasn't going through any kind of midlife crisis it was a fucking stupid movie about finding a crystal skull and he just happened to be 60 years old because that's the only way they could sell the movie because no one would no one would see it without harrison ford so it's like it doesn't True. matter if he's 90 years old we'll fucking throw him in if he's a like a, a skeleton like it doesn't matter yeah it's just marketing it's so uh cynical you know, mm -hmm. I actually would have preferred a younger actor if he was really good. You know, not Shia LaBeouf. He fucking sucks. Like, they shouldn't, but, you know, <laughs> someone good. Like Adam Driver. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, he would have been much better, but... Think of how they recast James Bond, you know? Once they get too old, like Roger Moore's old, got rid of him, Timothy Oliphant, or... True. Timothy yeah. Dalton, sorry. I'm not sure if anyone else can play Indiana Jones. <laughs> Honestly, the ideal would have been just never make another one after the trilogy. Mm -hmm. That would have been the ideal, but obviously that can't but, be done. you know, money. They should make Indiana Jones 5, and th this time he's actually in space with the aliens. <laughs> I think that would work. <laughs> um, so d I'm actually a little um, confused about, uh, maybe because I wasn't, like, super glued to the third movie, I guess, but, like, is Indiana Jones immortal because he drank the cup, or, like, what? how does the logic with that work? No. No, they explain it in the third movie. Yeah, I, I must have not paid attention to that part. The night guy explains it, that there's, like, a restriction um, that you have to stay there within the realms of oh. the tomb if you want to be immortal. Mm. That's the catch-22 oh. of it. Oh, okay. okay. I really wanted to mention this as well. I f we were talking about insensitivity and all that. I feel like this film is the most insensitive <laughs> of all of them. The, the portrayal of like the natives who are guarding the crystal skull or like there's like some other scene earlier where he blows a blow dart into his thing. It, it's yeah, like Peter Jackson's King Kong. Poison dart. And... Yeah, it was like Peter Jackson's King Kong. No development. They're just like savages who comes out. They come out of the walls. They've been sitting here for a thousand years guarding the skull. It's so yeah. underdeveloped. I'm like, who are these yeah. people? Like, like what's going on and here? it's taken more seriously like there's supposed to be more of like an unironic fear element to it mm -hmm. instead of like something camp and there's nothing going on with them yeah. they just come out like and they, they don't serve any purpose there there is there is inconsequential to the plot it's like the ants in the scene where the ants are eating them <laughs> like it's so dumb it's so unnecessary it doesn't add anything. That's just a throwaway idea they had for one of the previous indie movies. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we have CG. We can just do anything we want now. Let's make yeah. it happen, guys, without yeah. thinking about how this really is. No more restrictions. Because <laughs> yeah. that makes good movies. No, it, mm -hmm. it kills stories like this. That final was well, not the final shot. One of the ending moments where Indy's kind of standing with the the wide shot of the, the UFO coming out of the Mayan temple. It seemed to me like that was what they'd built the whole story around, was that one image. It's like, yep, that's going to be our movie, and we've just got to clumsily get to this point, and that <laughs> will somehow be the payoff, that Indiana Jones sees a UFO. And to me, it's just, yeah, it's just going back to the jumping the shark thing. It, it, it's been colloquially kind of changed the jump the shark thing to the nuke the fridge um so many people are so disappointed <laughs> yeah. by it i've actually really? heard that a few times people say nuke the fridge mm -hmm. that's hilarious yeah so it's it's great yeah you're, you're totally right and it's just an easy thing to point to 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 just mm -hmm. boil down that's just the moment the movie dies for me in terms of any serious investment for me it really falls apart once they get to the jungle the quicksand scene, actually, I say I think that's a great point because the quicksand scene, and then right after that's the car chase. Yeah. And if the quicksand scene wasn't there, it literally wouldn't matter. It would be the exact same movie. Like, if, yeah, you know. that's real bad. That stuff, real bad. They just needed to throw in a line where, like, oh yeah, Mutt's your son. Like the whole movie was like kind of bad, but I wasn't like super bored throughout until it started like trying to wrap itself up at the end, and somehow also decided it would take forever to do it. Where I was like, yeah. this is where you're supposed to be getting to, like, the reveal, but it's treating it as though, like, there's more exposition still. Like, the action scenes are done, pretty much. And it's, like, mm -hmm. at the end of the movie, and it's taking fucking forever, I'm like, just fucking show the aliens. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was getting kind of impatient at the end of it. 
And what was with the throwaway line John Hurt has, where he's like, "Oh, they're not really aliens; they're interdimensional beings." And it's like, "There's still yeah, aliens. There's a UFO coming out." Yeah. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Yeah. There's like barely any dialogue about the other artifacts, like the the Holy Grail. Like, yeah, it, it makes you life eternal. Like that's it. Yeah, it's like they felt the need to over-explain it. Yeah, there there aren't whole scenes where like, yeah, look at the Holy Grail. They overcomplicated look, it. Look what it. Yeah, they do. Uh, the crystal skull. I guess that's the controversial element, right? That that is the MacGuffin of this movie. See, I've got no problem with the crystal skull, but it's like when at the end of the movie you've got like all these crystal skeletons zooming and exploding <laughs> into each other and then the cg wow. alien like tilts forward into the camera and he's like yeah, looking like Kate blanchett like blows up into into it's just too much yeah it's like did they release on. it in 3d they might have, i don't know yeah. i think they genuinely might have yeah because it seems like one of those shots <laughs> it was before avatar 2009 you know that's when yeah. all that took off like once avatar made money they were really trying to push 3d at that point yeah that might have been the start of it you know i just yeah there's a lot of really confusing elements. When And you can just completely disregard it. You don't even... Mm-hmm. When you recommended it last episode, you were like, yep, the Indiana Jones trilogy. You can just completely ignore the fourth one. Yeah, even now. <laughs> like, the trilogy and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I was curious. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you watched it. I had to see it. It's definitely worth a watch. I don't regret watching it. It's just... Um, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen or anything. No, it's definitely not the worst no. thing I've ever seen. There are redeemable moments. I like watching Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones again. I mean, I'm, I'm a little like... I'm criticizing the wanting to implant yourself on Indiana Jones kind of thing. I feel that's a real criticism to have. Like, why are you casting an old man? Like, the, that's <laughs> what makes the first three good. Like, the reason you didn't cast Harrison Ford as an old man in the first three is because you wanted a young guy who looks fucking cool and he's handsome and he's dashing and he's he's intelligent and he, he fucking like picks up all these young women and he, he shoots Nazis. That's the fucking appeal. Like, I'm not crazy for saying this. I agree with you. That's the appeal. It's not to me. Yeah. That is, that's the general appeal. Yeah. Like, that's the appeal. That's what the audience likes for these kind of things. It was too long. It, they left it too long. They'd all moved mm-hmm. on different creative endeavors. Yeah. I think going back to something like this, they had to, they were just in the wrong mindset. It was yeah. the wrong time. Yeah. The technology was, they were going down a path after yeah. like the prequels and just that side of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It was just too late. It was gone. Harrison Ford can't do the stunts. He can't do them. I mean, he's too old. It just felt like they weren't <laughs> fully committed to it. Like they were only working on it part-time. <laughs> part-time. But- Part-time. Yeah, Spielberg was probably making another movie. <laughs> Part-time. Part-time. He's like, yeah, I'll make this piece of shit so I can get the money to make a real movie I want to make, like Lincoln or Bridge of Spies. Did you guys uh, like the cinematography at certain points in the film? Were there, like any any shots that stood out to you that you liked? I actually like the shot of like Indiana Jones and the Mushroom Cloud. That's why I wanted to mention. I feel like there's some good Spielberg moments in there. I just wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, it wasn't horrendous throughout, mm-hmm. except for... The fucking monkey scene, I guess, but... Yeah, I like the first action scene. I like the motorcycle chase. I like the shot where, like, the Russian guy comes into the base and then he, like, goes to tie his shoes and the the other Russians shoot, like, the army in front of him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, a clever, like, reveal. There's, like, good visual storytelling. I don't know. It's just... It just should have been more. I was distracted in that scene from the lighting because mm-hmm. it felt so fake being outdoors <laughs> where it was mm-hmm. like holy shit like right. I, I don't remember what those um they're called like diffusers or something like it felt like why are you like why you got so much light on him outside right now like it, it seems so unnatural it's so weird yeah well i mean like the actual way like just the scene was blocked like that yeah he, okay he you didn't see the guys behind him and then they came out i'm like oh that was really well done 
I don't know. Yeah, the blocking in general is really good. Uh-huh. I really have an issue with the lighting. Yeah, Adam. Like, it's just yeah. the glowing. It was really... It was it just looks bothering me. so... It, weird and artificial it looked like they put some filter on the camera that's yeah i don't understand like shit. yeah there was like one jj abramsy shot too oh with the lens flare yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know how they're going to continue this like they're adamant they're going to do it i mean 2022 yeah. is supposed to be coming out they should go back to history there's a lot of cool artifacts in in history like christian religion or the catholic the Chintamani you know, stone. Chintam yeah, they should do something like that. I mean, I get what they were doing with the aliens, but there's no religious or cultural significance to these things. Like, it's in Roswell. Like, that's fucking dumb. It's not real. It's like a total conspiracy theory from 50 years ago. <laughs> like, who cares? The Holy Grail is cool. That has much more culture and, like, history to it than the Crystal Skull. And the thing is, like, they had to make up what it did, too, because there is no Crystal Skull. Like, So they're like, oh, yeah, it kind of mind controls you depends on how long you look at it if you look at it for too long it wipes your memory yeah and if you cover it with a piece of cloth then it can't do it anymore <laughs> and it's sometimes magnetic too yeah a piece of cloth right it's like totally it doesn't even matter <laughs> it was kind of silly yeah the holy grail has so much like before you even see that movie you're like the holy grail wow <laughs> and the arc too you're like what the fuck's a crystal skull it's like a vodka brand actually Crystal Skull is a vodka brand? Oh, yeah. Isn't that the Darren Aykroyd? Darren Aykroyd, Yeah, maybe maybe that was like an ad. I've had that. <laughs> Darren Aykroyd paid for it. When did that get founded? Let's see. Hold on. Was it pre-2008? My granddad got me that for Christmas. He got me like the Crystal Head Vodka. I'm like, oh, wow. Thank you so much. It was actually pretty good. Let me look this up on Wikipedia. Oh, my God. It was introduced in 2008. This is a big conspiracy mm. now. Whoa. <laughs> mm, suspicious. <laughs> Introduced in Southern California in 2007. It was founded and conceived in 2007. I mean, if it was conceived in 2007 and they were talking with it, they could it could just it could have been an ad. That's funny. Could have been a secret ad. Yeah. They're not they're not required to like disclose things in the same way as YouTube. What if Dan Aykroyd saw a trailer for Crystal Skull and had the idea? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe he hopped on. Dan Aykroyd thinks the really the reason aliens haven't communicated with us is because of nine eleven. <laughs> because funny. of what? Because of nine eleven, or you know, like oh. aliens. Aliens like want to communicate with us, but they see like how horrible humanity is. Like we have all these wars and we we kill each other. Oh, right. They're like they're having a time. Let's not bug him. It's like oh my god, he's a fucking crazy man. But <laughs> his vodka is pretty good. I've had it. You know, maybe those crazy people make really good vodka. His vodka is average, and the bottle looks cool. He makes good Ghostbusters movies. I'll, I'll say that. I think he's got, like, a restaurant in Toronto that I went to. Yeah? Is it yeah. good? Dan Aykroyd? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Unless I'm confusing him with somebody else. He's an interesting fellow, Dan Aykroyd. He's probably got a crystal skull somewhere in his house. <laughs> oh, more than one. <laughs> yeah. <I can> bet. <laughs> he's a total nut. I mean, I'd, I'd love to talk with him. You'd be a great guest on this podcast. We could talk about this movie with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a restaurant that he owns in Toronto that I went to. <laughs> I'd also want to mention for this film, uh, the score. While it does use the Indiana Jones theme and all that, I like that stuff. There aren't a lot of original compositions in this movie that I thought stood out to me. And even mm -hmm. Temple of Doom, like it, there's like that theme that Molaram has, or there's this, this choir in it that's like different. Yeah. Temple of Doom music is awesome. Yeah, Short Round's got a theme. I love the score in that film. And there's like these new themes introduced in every single film, except this one. It doesn't really, yeah. you know, nothing really stood out to me. 
yeah, bland. I think they tried with like I think the skull does have like a theme, but I couldn't hum it to you. I I couldn't really yeah. remember it. It's just forgettable. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is I think it was kinda like that. Oh yeah, that's how it went. I just this film doesn't work for me. And I really wish it did. Like I really want it to work for me. I saw this I as know, a it kid. Been as nice well. if it was good. Like when I saw it as a kid, I was like, Yeah, that was fun. I liked it. I liked the chase scenes. But you know, growing up seeing it now, I see like the CGI, I see the horrible writing. Like, the, the references to the other movies that just don't make sense. And I don't know. This film doesn't work for me at all. I would still recommend you watch it at least to, like, you know, complete the series. But it's not nearly as good as the other three. I don't think anyone could even argue that to me. Raiders is such a better film than this is. It's so much more consistent. It's funnier. The action's better. It's so much more intense. And the stakes feel real. This one's just dumb. It's just, there's no significance to anything. The Crystal Skull is stupid. Shia LaBeouf is terrible. Like, there's just so many things I could list off the top of my head that are fucking awful about this movie. It was the most boringest. Mm -hmm. It's really boring. It really falls apart. The pacings, yeah. Yeah. There's no good action in that second half of the movie. Like, think about the other movies. Like, you had the mine cart, and then you had the, you had the cart chase, I mean, and then you had the, the bridge, and then in Last Crusade, there was the excellent tank chase, and then you got to the Holy Grail, and it fell apart. This one's like, okay, you had a stupid CGI jungle fight with this machine that made no sense, that doesn't exist in real life, followed by monkeys, followed by a stupid anthill. That waterfall scene is so fucking <sighs> dumb. There's like four of them. <laughs> Shut dries off the cliff, and then the twig catches him. And then that's the end of the action. There's no action for the rest of the film. It's just exposition, stupid alien CGI, a UFO, and then that's the end of the movie. It's fucking terrible. And then they get married. That's what you want to see, a wedding in your adventure <laughs> film. Yeah, these two old guys get, get married. How fucking exciting. Fuck this movie. Yeah, yeah, fuck this one. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted Indiana Jones to die a bachelor. That's what I wanted. <laughs> you could just like invite some girl back to the the never die place and then live there for hundreds of years. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could open a bar down there. Yeah, yeah, Club Obi Wan, <laughs> Crystal Skull, Vodka all day long. Yeah, yeah. You guys already said it. It's it's easily the worst Indiana Jones movie. Wrong story. They just the heart wasn't in it. Yeah, it's still a Spielberg movie, so at the end of the day, so it's it's watchable. It's really boring towards the end, especially mm-hmm. after the all that action's over and you're just so like exhausted and checked out. I just Yeah, it's got some okay things to it, so I'd give it two stars out of five. But it's it's definitely not what I wanted. Yeah. I'm sorry. I really love these movies. I really I really wanted to like this movie. I just don't want to get old. I don't want to die. <laughs> this this yeah. movie, it sucks. It's Indiana Jones, Kenny Crystal Skull. It's just a reminder that you're going to die. Yeah, two and a half. I'm sorry. It's fucking bad. It's just it's not even bad rating, I don't think. That's me being generous. You have a two and a half out of five? Yeah. It's right. average at best. At best, it's average. Well, I'm with Alex. I give it a four out of ten. It's kind of bad, mm-hmm. kind of boring. Not the worst thing I've ever seen. If it was more funny bad, then maybe I'd bump it down to a three, but it's kind of like non-existent, like barely pay attention to bad sort of thing, you know? It's just like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's good if you have it on in the background. There's like, Yeah, it's not the worst thing ever. There's some things about it that are fine, but not great overall. It doesn't even seem like a film that wants to excel in any way. 
Like, there's nothing about yeah. it that was even trying to be... It's like in spite of itself from the word go. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting that there was some sort of financial motive towards creating that film? <laughs> <laughs> if Spielberg really didn't want to do it, he should have just not directed it. He should have brought in a new director who had some passion for it. Or... Well, let's see how James Mangold does later, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like James Mangold. New blood is what it means. Yeah. Sorry, Indy. I wish I liked all the movies. <laughs> mm -hmm. First three is solid, though. I'm glad you watched them, at least. I'm glad you found things to appreciate. I mean, yeah. we clearly talked a long time about them, so they're, they're like, a there's a lot to meaty say. Meaty discussion. Yeah. They're very meaty, yeah. Thank you for watching them. I genuinely love the second one. I'll watch it again for sure. Good. They're, they're a great part of film history, all three of them, so it's, it's good to watch. Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast community. If you want to leave your own questions, head over to the subreddit. Well, there'll be a suggestion thread, but you can ask whatever you like. Let's do this one from the filmize himself real botarum. Adam said in the last episode that he doesn't like the idea that people will only watch something different when it has a superhero label on it. Is it really a bad thing that this seems to be the case, considering people won't watch something alternative at all when it doesn't have a superhero or franchise related to it? I saw a tweet recently from Todd in the Shadows. They got some flack on, on our subreddit, and it said like, the reason Marvel did well, it's almost a response to the other kinds of action movies or superhero movies that were coming out at the time. Like, it's just more family-friendly, it's more fun. And I actually agree with him. I think the Marvel films are a great reaction to the kind of things people actually want to see from, like, a mainstream audience. Like, empowering, you know, characters that you want to be, really exciting action sequences, great special effects, and, like, solid messages, nothing offensive. And I feel like that's where these superhero films, like the Marvel films, really excel. I like that stuff. I like how empowering they are and that most people can like them. It's a shame that the superhero genre has been seen as, like, this... It's, like, so cynical, you know? And I guess because mm -hmm. a lot of bad films come out, like X-Men, Apocalypse, or Dark Phoenix. But I feel like there's a lot of... Um, there's a reason people like them, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that should be discounted. They're really well made, some of them. Like the Marvel films or Logan. There's, there's specific examples where I really understand why people, like, gravitate toward this genre. And why they, f why they feel kind of safe in it, you know? Yeah, like they don't want to venture out outside of this stuff because there's so many other films that just have, they're like pointlessly offensive or they're pointlessly like uh, pretentious or dour. And even films I like or filmmakers I like, I feel fall victim of this. Even Christopher Nolan with his film Tenet, like that film's very confusing, over complicated, lots of weird characters, like you said, underdeveloped. I don't know if people want that necessarily. People might just want something fun and dumb. Mm-hmm. Not call Marvel yeah. films dumb, but I really understand the appeal of them. I like them a lot. You know, I, I feel like that's war. like superhero. The superhero genre is almost like the perfect story to tell. It's like the perfect story to tell in a film format. You know, it's like the rise of a character going from something that is worth nothing to, to you know, overcoming their challenges like Spider-Man or something like that. I guess what I should have made more clear when I was going through the... Uh editing for the previous episode i realized i didn't communicate this exactly properly mm -hmm. but like the criticism for wandavision wasn't like oh yeah superhero properties shouldn't do different things it was more like a criticism of like the greater issue of audiences and what projects studios and companies are willing to fund right mm -hmm. so like when i'm complaining about that 
it's not like oh you should watch what i want to watch and it's not like you should stay in your lane superhero movies that's not really the criticism i was making it's more just like <laughs> yeah, sure. an, an observation of the current trends and knowing full well that like if this wasn't a thing it's not like people would just stop watching movies so like the way that that question is framed if that's the implication i kind of disagree with that if you look at like the top grossing films of anything before i think 2009 like it's populated with films that are like original ideas they're not attached to like previous properties they're not sequels people still watched movies before like 2009 right but then like Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. point you see it's just like oh like this is what studios are willing to invest their money in and this is what audiences are willing to watch whereas like i don't know like it's you have to blame the audience as much as you blame the studios funding it because both are symbiotic mm-hmm. and both are responding to each other, right? But, you know, what is the audience? The audience is only human. Like, they like what they like. Yeah. I feel yeah, gravi- exactly, people right? gravitate toward those superhero movies or that non-offensive content because yeah. they're like, these are really the kinds of movies I want to watch, you know? Like, we constantly see these pushes on especially social media for things like, oh, yeah, we need more representation in movies which is a fair Mm -hmm. criticism and a fair thing to want but what the way you do that is you support independent films right (laughs) like that's that's how you do it and it seems like nobody got the fucking memo it's like yes scarlett johansson's gonna get cast as as the uh asian character in this movie because (laughs) name one female asian american actor that will sell a script like Scarlett Johansson would. You go up to a mm-hmm. studio executive, you say, yeah. we got Scarlett Johansson. That's going to get it greenlit, and that's going to get people to watch it. Like, unless you're willing to put your attention into smaller films and independent creators and help get them, you know, the the attention that would otherwise go to larger, you know, Disney, own everything, Marvel, blah, blah, blah. Unless you're willing to do that, then you're not really, I I don't know, like, how much you can complain about it. Because, like, you need to prove to them that these are the things you're interested in seeing. If you want to see more trans people playing trans characters, go watch movies like uh, A Beautiful Woman. You know, like, go go Mm -hmm. watch shows like Euphoria, where that's, like, actually happening, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, like, you have to actually vote with your wallet and prove (laughs) that this is something Mm -hmm. that you want. You can't just, like, watch Marvel all day and then be like, why does Marvel do Marvel things? <laughs> yeah. like, that's like, <laughs> see, I vote with my wallet. I see dumb action movies like Indiana Jones and Marvel, and they keep making them. I'm voicing my frustrations with like a greater issue that yeah. I have with the filmmaking industry as a whole. I exactly. Guess. So, yeah. Yeah, you guys are both right. I mean, superhero movies I kind of see as the they've kind of taken the place as your Indiana Joneses, your Star Warses. They are the self-insert kind of hero stories that everyone can relate to the superhero story is just a great story no matter who it is Mm -hmm. you know spider-man superman and i mean it's so it's so broad yeah um and it's and and vague in terms of what can be included in it is yeah it is more the business side of it which is definitely i think what most people are criticizing with it just the Mm -hmm. you know just the the filtering of it how yeah of, of course the effect of someone who business-mindedly plans out a set of movies in the same way that like a tv show would the first person to do that is going to be huge and then cause a you know just a mm-hmm. wave of copycats mm-hmm. um and that and that's what just happens on repeat so yeah yeah it, it doesn't really bug me particularly but it, it is tiring you know after a while which is marvel movie after yeah. marvel movie yeah it's just like a part of my philosophy and like i'm trying to be the change that i want to see in the world which is why you know, I wrote people in with funny haha meme shit 
and then I talk about like film festival movies, <laughs> and it's like, okay, you're set mm-hmm. to the channel. I'm gonna, you know, you might you might have come here for the laps, but you're gonna hopefully, you know, be exposed to some films that you otherwise wouldn't have. And you know, with the my top of the year list or whatever, I hope to include things that will get people a bit outside their comfort zone, and hopefully, you know, there will be a chunk of people that realize like, oh wait, like if I actually do some digging, if I actually do look a bit beyond like what's being heavily marketed at me there's actually some really great stuff there that i like and the more people Mm -hmm. that do that and the more people that support those they have more power in the industry and the more things can be made like that the less restrictions that they would have sort of thing right yeah if the artist that i loved has had as much power as christopher nolan we'd be seeing some fucking masterpieces not saying masterpieces (laughs) don't exist right now but like holy shit man if like if charlie kaufman or you know, <laughs> any one of my favorite writers or directors had like as much power in the industry as Christopher Nolan. It's like, fuck, we're missing out so hard. Yeah. Damn it. I have hope for that for films like the new Doctor Strange movie, which is directed by Sam Raimi. Like, I have hope for that one. Like, yeah, maybe Spider Man that... 4. Or Spider Man. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck knows? Alternate like... title. <laughs> Who knows? People want to see like kind of how the film medium has grown over time. I feel like they like seeing special effects, like visual effects. And the only people who can afford to make, you know, groundbreaking special effects are the people who make superhero movies because that's like, you know, that's what most people want to see. That's what makes the most money. It's genuinely impressive to see these effects in the Avengers movies or something like that. I always praise these movies for the the visual effects because they are impressive and they're groundbreaking, especially compared to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. (laughs) It just looks like shit. Yeah, it's what you see them for. They they are a big spectacle. Yeah, like Thanos is a pretty interesting effect. Like I'd put him on the level of Andy Serkis's mm-hmm. uh, Gollum. You know, I think it is impressive. You know what I also kind of realized about myself while thinking about the um, my apprehension towards starting something like Wandavision is I think mm-hmm. that emotionally I had compartmentalized marvel and star wars into these ideas that like where it's like okay i'm done you know like i watched these things to be a part of the greater cultural conversation and then we got endgame (laughs) and the fucking trilogy ended and i was like yes i'm out and then it just kept going and i'm mad (laughs) that like yeah that's the thing it's going to keep going for a long time it's not going away it will never stop (laughs) you know it's like it's that everybody expects me to weigh in on these things and i'm like ah fuck like i I thought I escaped. Yeah, it's because these things are really culturally significant for film. Yeah, like, that's why I still talk about them, and I do like. I think them. Marvel's got decades left in it, man. I, I really think it's going to stick I around. I do too. It's really its own thing. I mean, it has to. It's still profitable. So, it's almost like its own film, it's like a it's, genre. It's own, <laughs> yeah, it's its own uh, institution. White socks one four one has a interesting one. My impression from listening to the podcast is that you guys all think movies... Wait, sorry, this is written weirdly. My impression from listening to the podcast that you all think of movies as of an art... Oh my god. My impression from listening to this podcast is that you all think movies as an art form that you enjoy. Oh my god. <laughs> you gotta proofread this shit sometimes, guys. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. Did you understand question? what it was trying to say? <laughs> yeah, oh my god. My impression from listening to the podcast is that you guys all think of movies as a form of art that you enjoy. There you go, I had to fix it. What are some mediums of art that you don't enjoy yet, but you'd like to enjoy in the future? That's interesting. Poems? I could never get into poems. They don't make me feel anything. 
that's a medium of art. Do you like lyrics and songs? Because that's, that's just true. poetry. I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's just poetry with a rhythm. That's true. Yeah. I want to go to more galleries. Um, a few years back, I had like a epiphany moment where just this this portrait in the National Portrait Gallery in London, like, really resonated with me and i'd never really experienced that with just like chilling in a gallery before i'd been mm-hmm. been to those in the past but it's, i don't know yeah it takes the right moment to really connect with you and that is i don't know it's, it's quite a unique experience yeah. to to go through something like that mm-hmm. i've been to an art gallery before you know i don't think there is a medium that i i don't like the expression you know i've seen old portraits like that like in a museum i've like wow that's really cool like just to see an artifact of history like watching the indiana jones movies where there's nazis or whatever i'm like wow that's an interesting part of history or like marble statues those things are so cool to answer the question i actually don't think there's anything that doesn't resonate with me somewhat even poems like you said basically just a song right there are certainly things that don't resonate with me but the question was asking if there was something that didn't that i would want to in the future I don't believe there is such a thing because anything that doesn't resonate with me is one that's because I don't like it. So an example would be (laughs) fashion. I don't give a shit about fashion. I don't give a shit. I really don't give a shit. So I don't want Mm. to give a shit. (laughs) To to start giving a shit about fashion would be to impose a level of increased self-consciousness on the way I appear, you know, how I dress, you know, how my body looks like, which is like, that sounds like a negative thing to me. Why would I want to be more self-conscious about that? Yeah, you got to pick your battles up to a certain point. Yeah. I would like to be able to draw in the future. That would be cool. Oh, cool. It's not like yeah. I don't get value out of it. I would like to develop that skill at some point in the future if I ever had the mm. time for it, which I might never. I used to love to draw as a kid. Like I just draw on my own, you know, every night, just draw shit. Like even if it didn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a bunch of squiggles. And... Yeah, I love all art. You should express yourself how you want. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Picasso. Just drew a bunch of shit. <laughs> yeah, I went to a Picasso hmm. gallery actually. Cool. That but I was too young. It was what it was before it really connected with me, so mm-hmm. should we end on this one then from yeah, Skelly Dude 11. After listening to your episode about pirating movies, I'd like to ask you what your thoughts are on emulating video games. Do you frequently download and emulate games, or does it feel too immoral for you? Does the argument of failing to provide a product to people apply when they have no literal way to play a game, like mm. Mother 3 or games released outside no, of the region? No, dude, you gotta get 100%. a GameCube, and you gotta get the game. That's sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you don't do that, then you're a pirate, and... You're, you're stealing. But it's not available on GameCube even. I'm sorry. You got to get the copy. That's it. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> I have a GameCube. I got the Hulk video game or whatever the fuck it is. You know, whatever game. Uh, <laughs> SpongeBob Battle for Kinney Bottom. What is this called? A video game? Yeah. And you got to get the disc and that's the only way to do it. And if you don't, you're a criminal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, what's, what's crazy about this is like... You're going to go to jail. There's so many fucking companies, especially Nintendo, that would make a killing if they just embraced it. And we're like, fuck yeah, yeah we're, re- we're releasing this on PC. You can mod it. 100%. Whatever. Like, or fuck yeah. They kind of dipped their toe in it with the SNES Classic or whatever, where it's like we've preloaded like 20 games onto this thing and it has HDMI out now. But it's like, then you just go on eBay and you see cheaper versions that are just literally from China, where it's like, we've loaded 600 games onto it, and it's the same thing. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> fuck, wait, well, which one? Why don't you care? Why don't you want to take yeah. my money? 
Like, why hasn't yeah. Nintendo... Like, me buying a Nintendo Switch, part of the reason behind doing that, that was the first Nintendo console I've ever bought, I've ever owned. Damn. Part of the reason I did that, it was like, I was hoping at some point that, like, I would be able to play N64 games on it. Like, I would be able to download it from the Nintendo store. I don't think I can. <laughs> like, why not? I don't know. I mean, if I got an emulated or jailbroken version of the Switch, then I could. It turns out the pirates are providing a better fucking service. Why don't you want my fucking money? <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it, there's, there's kind of an issue with game preservation, too. Um, 100%. They're constantly tinkering with, like, the, the code and re-releasing versions and patching mm. things. and Yeah. If you care about history. It is pretty different from a movie, right? Like remastering a movie. or I guess you could buy a movie on Blu-ray or 4K. Like that's kind of an upgrade, but... I agree with the preservation aspect. Like it's important. It's super important. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of opposed to like remastered. Even those are like better than... Like at least you can get the game in a new version, you know? When I get games on Steam, you know, I don't have to get a remastered version because it just kind of... Once you have the hardware for it, you can upgrade the game yourself. Like play with high graphics or in 4k like yeah. that's what i do with like bioshock now you know at the time i couldn't do it but now it's different i don't know yeah you hear all these stories of like how these devs from a few decades ago just they, they just got like no backups of anything they made so all the source codes just lost man wow i, I don't find it immoral particularly of course not. Especially if it is for something like that. If it's something you can't, if you literally cannot yeah. get to anywhere like Mother 3, I mean, what other choice do you, do you have? Yeah, I don't care if the law is written that way. It's literally censorship. You're trying to prevent people from accessing information. So go fuck yourself, Nintendo. No, you're all thieves. <laughs> 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 Our subreddit exists so I still got a GameCube. I'll only play my shit on my GameCube. Never. Do you see how, like, Nintendo is such assholes about it? Like, the latest Mario game has, like, a, a date they're gonna stop selling it. Yeah, fuck that noise. <laughs> Nintendo is awful. Nintendo's fuck that. terrible. I hate them. What are you talking about? Remember when they were, like, copyright striking people on YouTube for, like, including their footage? Like, what a bunch of fucking assholes. Oh, yeah, and then they had to learn to, like, get into this century. Do you, don't you realize that's the reason why these games are so successful? Yeah. Like, remember when PewDiePie streamed that stupid, like, amnesia game? Like, everyone bought that game just because of him. It was a good game. Mm. They so, they, like, underappreciate the value of, like, people just discussing these things in an open forum. Yeah, it turns out people are promoting my product for free. Yeah, like, who gives a shit what people are saying? Turns out that watching somebody play a video game isn't the same experience as playing it yourself. And that <laughs> it's literally just a fucking yeah. advertisement. Because they would just, like, block everything. And then eventually they're like, no, we have a Nintendo partner program now. Where they take 60% of the revenue that is already cut right. by, like, YouTube and your network. <laughs> so it's like 60% of what you remaining <laughs> have. Exactly. And, uh... Yeah, and then eventually they were like, ah, I guess we won't copy or strike anymore. And, you know, they just want to control what you say. They don't want you to say anything bad. Oh, yeah, that too. I forgot about that. You weren't allowed to say negative things about their games. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> oh, fuck Nintendo. Imagine seeing a guy who's like, yeah, this game is amazing. There's nothing about it that's wrong. It's incredible. It's the best thing ever. It's because that doesn't exist. There's grayness to all these things. Like, to be that, like, blind to this... It's just stupid. It's just, like, corporate trying to control. And the irony is they have some of the most, like, polished 
cleanest games and often like companies don't like it when you're shit talking like a broken game or or a product that they're mm-hmm. not proud of but they're, they're so like detail oriented and like the products they release like everyone loves they're really missing a yeah. beat with that it's just stuff. criticism that's it they're detached yeah oh totally detached why don't you want my money assholes i hate it well so many companies we say it all the time in the movie industry too yeah. there's so many movies i want to buy that i just can't mm-hmm. hbo max not everywhere Mm-hmm. Yeah, the region-free Blu-ray player I have to have to play like Climax or any of those kinds of movies. I mean, they stopped with 4K Blu-rays. Those are all region-free. Oh, yeah? That's good. It's funny that each generation from DVD to Blu-ray to 4K, DVD had like eight regions and then Blu-ray is like, nah, that's kind of stupid. Let's do three. And then 4K is like, nah, that's kind of stupid. Let's do no regions. <laughs> so you, yeah, it's like they've literally... All the arguments that they've been using, these like corporate bullshit arguments about piracy, they're like, <laughs> yeah. we, we were wrong the whole time, but we're not going to admit it. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck yeah. It was just preventing people from purchasing your products. DRM, like every, almost every single anti-piracy measure that a company takes only hurts consumers. It doesn't hurt the pirates because they always find a way around it. It hurts uh-huh. the people that are legally purchasing something where it's like, oh, fuck, I have to go buy like a fucking you know, region-free player for this now and, like, this and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're not offering me subtitles for this movie because I bought this version or I'm only allowed to play it at this certain time. It's, like, blah, 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 like, released in different periods in different countries. Like, fuck off. It's so basic and simple to understand from, like, even, like, an economic perspective, which apparently these, you know, if you're a large corporation, you're supposed to be familiar with at least that side of it, but somehow they don't get it. And they they just don't mm-hmm. like making as much money as they could for some reason, <laughs> which is like, oh, what the fuck? Old business just can't, they can't adapt. They're so stupid. They're ancient, yeah. which is why companies like Netflix were able to swoop in and entirely change a business model without exactly. them even noticing. Yeah. Blockbuster yeah. fucking yeah. died. Now everybody else is trying to catch up with like HBO Max and Peacock and shit. They're like, oh, we want a piece of the pie too. But they're so fucking <laughs> brain dead and ancient dinosaurs that they didn't even realize that this was happening for the past fucking 15 years. They're so detached. They're so out of touch. Like everyone copying Marvel movies. It's all the same shit. Yeah. I'll say, support the things you like. If you like something, support it any way you can. True. Financially, word of mouth. Say like, oh yeah, it's really good. Recommend it to other people. That's all. I agree. Mm-hmm. Me too. What did that have to do with piracy? Piracy? Well, sometimes you can't access something, or I don't know. You have to pirate it. I'm not morally opposed to it. Just support what you like, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean. True. Sometimes you have to pirate, but if you support Nintendo, you love them. True. You say good things about them. I mean, how much damage could you be doing, right? Yeah. I feel like there's always there's a yeah. there's a I always say gray. No, there's a more there's like, a gay beauty, area. like yeah. <laughs> yeah Piracy's illegal. You're gonna go to jail. You're gonna get a fine. All right. Aside from that, yeah, you shouldn't steal content from someone that is making content for you that you should pay for. Like, let's use Nintendo as an example. They're a multi-million dollar company. There's definitely a grayness, <laughs> you know, if you support them, if you financially back them. And I feel like people are smart enough to know what the line is, you know? I really yeah. have a lot of faith in people in that way. Even just with our content, you know, like, I understand people use Adblock. We got patrons and shit. I'm not so. going to be like Linkara where I'm upset about it. Go ahead and use Adblock. <laughs> but, you know, there's other ways people support me, like leaving a comment yeah. to me. People can support us if they want to. They're, they're, they shouldn't be forced to. Yeah. They send me a message like, Ralph, your your content's really cool. You're a really cool guy. I'm like, wow, okay. That's all I need. 
or like a dollar on Patreon or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Send me messages later saying, Ralph, you're a really cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll forward them. All right. I guess that's uh, it for questions. And uh, I guess it's time for a film recommendation from Alex. It's back to me. Um, back again. So I'm recommending one, a movie I've, I've wanted to see for a long time, and I don't think any of us have seen it, actually. Um, it's a sequel, which is interesting, um, that being Paddington 2. Um, have any of you guys seen it? Oh, boy! I haven't seen the first one either, but I was looking forward to it. I have seen the first one. I liked Paddington. I haven't seen the first one, so I I wasn't sure whether to recommend a double bill, if you guys were right with that. I'll watch both and talk about both. I'll watch Paddington again. Paddington was a very solid movie. I enjoyed that film a lot. It seems like the second one, though, is what like people are talking about it's, it's yeah. in like the top 200 films british people love paddington yeah. too the way they talk about it you swear it's like uh i don't know like yeah. silence of the lambs like one of the greatest yeah. films of it's all a part time. of the royal so family I'm just curious paddington's yeah. right up there cool <laughs> yeah we, we love those guys <laughs> all right if you don't want to be spoiled for paddington one and two listen to them before the next episode these episodes come out every two weeks publicly you might get to see him earlier i guess in the same uh time frame but earlier than the public release as they're edited if you go to sardonicast.com sign up for premium or patreon.com slash sardonicast also we got merch buy some merch also if you want to send fan art post it on the subreddit sardonicast uh, subreddit or uh on twitter you could go uh, hashtag uh, sardonicast fan art uh, and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll see it eventually. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. Belongs in a museum. <laughs> Thank you. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. We all get old and die. Bye. Bye. Synecdoche. Bye.